This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Weekend confirmed. Ignition. Liftoff. Liftoff. What is up, everybody? Glad to be with you. My name is Garnet Lee. This is Weekend Confirmed. Imagine right now you are in the Pegasus Theater. There are 500 people around you. You're excited. You jump up and go, Weekend Confirmed, bitches! That's the only place that'll happen in your imagination. <laughs> oh, you can do it right now. If you were at PAX, if you were at PAX, you could do that and then have like a mini PAX show for us. This- I would appreciate if people would do that because we're certainly not there. We wish we were there. God damn it. We, we should be there. We should have. Well, we were late and didn't it's, figure stuff it's, out. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's a sad thing. We are all envious of those who are there. Very much so. Four day show this time. Yeah. Four big, day time. Show. big time. By the way, that to my left is uh, Jeff Hearthstone Kanata. That's me. Actually, this week I'm going to I'm gonna pronounce it Hearthstone. Oh. Just to. You hey, know, Jeff. Just to, hey, Jeff. I would like to just comment on that very briefly because um, I appreciate everybody correcting my pronunciation. I actually thought it was um, an either either potato potato kind of situation where both were accepted pronunciations. I really did. I didn't think hearth was wrong. I just thought hearth was equally correct. And I appreciate being corrected about it as a grammar Nazi myself who's done my fair share of correcting. I did not take offense at people correcting it. I just, you know, the people that didn't read the thread right above theirs that already corrected so, so it. Like, door, I know, like, I know, I know. We oh. got, we've, we, we can move on from that. Well, we got it, but I appreciate it. It's I only honestly fun do. If you get to point it out a few thousand times. <laughs> I like when I get corrected by the likes of David Jaffe. You know, I, uh, I, I understand that I've touched a nerve. On the people. Mark. Check mark. Hey, also here the other Jeff. So it's uh, dueling Jeffs today. Yes, Jeff I am Jeff Combat. I am also here. No, uh, we're in co-op, dude. We're not dueling. That's right. That's why, right. Why it, do you know what I mean? Fighting each other? No, man. No, it's it's more rewarding to you know. It's fun collaborate. to play together. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I needed to, ah. I'm still quite not quite enough. I just <laughs> Don't say to, I needed to ah. I needed a little more return. <laughs> Everybody's imagination. Needed runs a little wild. more returns. Anyway, Jeff Mattis here, and uh, rounding out the cast. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Can we call you Ozymandias? Let's not. Let's let's keep it Ozzy. Or Oz. Whatever you guys want. I just want to say that I am also not at PAX. So I'm equally as envious of everybody that's there right now. And I personally promise I will do my damnedest to be there next year because I've never been and I've always wanted to go. See, see, I'm actually at PAX right now. However, just on location. There are plenty of people (laughs) who have been amply jealous of you who have been playing many a game and reviewing them. Indeed. So, uh, some better than others. (laughs) Hey, you, you, you don't get to choose all the time, all right? Well, uh, no, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, blame, for blame, anyone that's jealous, quote-unquote. Blame Yoon for that shit, all right? <laughs> By the way, Yoon is up there at PAX, so uh, he's He's one of the people to, we're jealous of right now. He's getting to take he, it all in. He'll be the guy in the uh, cosplay outfit that you should not look at. Getting, <laughs> getting the hot scoops. Yes. Drinking it all in. All right, coming up on this show, we have lots to cover. Uh, Ozzy has been up on the Splinter Cell, which you guys have been interested in us talking about. Uh, Jeff has also played some of the Bureau, also uh, a little Saints Row 
4. Yes. Which I know has quite a few fans out there in the audience. And he also was playing some game he was just telling me about earlier with badgers and... I yes, we will. We must discuss uh, shelter a little shelter, bit Shelter. Yeah. You know, he's indie, Jeff. Got to bring the indie scene. Uh, I've got some uh, some news to talk about with Killer is Dead. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not news. Killer is Dead. You and know, I shouldn't like, be here. And yeah, well, because well, all I've done is uh, play endgame WoW stuff and more Hearthstone. Hey, dude, I told you on on Twitter, talk about what you love. This is our show. It's our show, baby. Embrace I'm it. fully back into WoW. Embrace it. Yeah. Embrace it. He loves loving things, just not a lot of things lately. Well, <laughs> eh, I'm playing a lot of games. It just happens to be two games that have two know, awesome games to be yeah. fair. Two Blizzard. And games. I won't. I'm, hey, I won't lie. I'm I'm playing Hearthstone pretty much every day. I can get in like one match during lunch and be comfortable. So that's really good. Isn't it just the perfect sort of light snack game? It is. But we're not going to start off talking about of Hearthstone. Not. We, we can come back to Hearthstone. Eh, we, we can we can uh, always talk about some more if you want. A lot a lot of anger from people not talking about that. I want to talk about the abomination of the week. The abomination nin- of the week. That would be the Nintendo 2DS. Oh, okay, you, no. you've, you've put it in the abomination category. I, it, of the week! So look, if you have, I'm sure everybody listening to the show has already picked up on the 2DS, but if you haven't, it's a new device coming out later in September from Nintendo that is a, uh, how would you describe it? A, a adaptation of the 3DS, 3DS into a Game Boy. Basically, right. they've taken the idea of the 3DS and they've opened it, gotten rid of the hinge, right? No and hinge, ta- and taken out the 3D. Which so is str- got- the, the taking out of the 3D makes a lot of sense. It's a tacit admit admission that 3D is not a thing anymore. <laughs> hey, guess what? Uh, that thing that we were all excited about, no, nah, nobody's excited about it. We get it. Let's move on. That's fine. I don't fault them for that. A lot of people play their 3DSs with the the thing cranked all the way down to zero. Uh, no no worries. You're looking at one of them. I never turn the 3D I, on I happen anymore. to like the 3D on the 3DS in, in a lot of cases, but... Although uh, I do I do find that when I borrow people's XLs just to check it out, that it does work much better on the XL right. than it does on the standard screen. Now, anyway, is, this, is this something people have been clamoring for? <laughs> well, you know, uh, like... I, I, well, the like, thing I don't get is... I, I get the the removal of the 3D yeah. as a as a different skew... I don't get the removal of the closing of the case. I don't Ooh. get the hinge removal. I feel like that's them trying to like market to like the people that like tab- the tablets, that type of that type of market. And really? I, I've had like it's a, a kid proofing, don't you think? Kind of like the, the nothing having, to break. The, having the hinge. Yeah. Oh, nothing, I see. Nothing to break. I feel like closing the the hinge and uh, protecting the screens is is kid. Yeah, but if you've got kids, you can just imagine this thing's laying around open all the time. All it has to do is get bent over backwards one time, break the top screen off, bang. It's all messed right. up. It's all I was looking at it as a, as a protection system for the screens themselves rather than... But I see what you're saying. The hinge is usually the thing that breaks on DSs yeah. and 3 So why don't I run through the specs on this thing real quick? It is a tablet-like design and then it's all flat. It looks like a little bit of a wedge. So it has yeah. a bit of a you know lip at the front and then it gets broader up towards the top of it. it uh, Just has, like my cousin. It has the two screens, but the two screens are the size of the DS, not the XL. Well, actually, wait a minute. It doesn't have two screens. It has one screen. And the one screen is divided up by a plastic bezel. Now, this is a really interesting decision they mean made, and 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 uh, all indications are that it's a manufacturing cost, right? Cheaper uh, to control. make one, 
Right, so you can keep this thing nice and you can keep this thing nice and inexpensive to build by just putting one screen in it. It does mean that the full screen is touchscreen sensitive. However, the top screen has a plastic film over it, so there's no way to introduce. Don't touch it. You can't introduce any. You know, it's really bizarre. And and you, you know, there was very quickly someone photoshopped a mock-up of this of like, why didn't they just make it a full screen tablet device? But that's. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, it is not planned currently to be released in Japan. It's a Western-designed device, mm, although yeah. you can imagine it'll probably at some point in time show up in Japan sure. as, a, as a special. It's going to be priced at 130 bucks, 129 So their, their strategy here is that this is a $130 device that comes in under the $170 3DS and well under the $200 XL. Uh, Reggie told Kotaku, from a target standpoint, this is designed for that entry-level gamer. For a family of four with two kids, when you're looking at spending either $169 or $199 for two this holiday, now you've got a more affordable choice. So why do you consider this an an abomination? Of the week! (laughs) Well, because it's just... Because it... Because for gamers, Uh this thing is it's just um, it's it's a it's a solid miss it's just <laughs> it's totally it's unnecessary a, i mean i honestly am, it is hard to articulate because i like i am sort of the gif of the person who just looks at this and says what they did what i mean there's so many things to ask about i mean this. abomination is a pretty oh the well, it's, <laughs> it's so, a pretty uh it's so perplexing strong series of words nintendo is so good at the handheld at their handheld stuff normally like yeah. Like they're really knocking it out of the park in that market, and this just is kind of like. Huh? It'd, well, be, it'd well, be one thing if the 3ds wasn't selling, but it's outperforming like every other platform right now well, on the NPD so, list. Ozzy, part of that though is that they do look at their sales numbers in Japan and compare them to North America and say, "Wow, we're even doing way better in Japan." We should. The abomination part is that it is a device in which they could have achieved their goals. Right, they could uh-huh. have achieved their goals. I think for this, which which are obviously to create a device that is less expensive and helps them market to the younger kid generation. Right, which is a generation sta- of your kids. The, the quote and you this, just read was the stated it, goal, and this will work. I mean, this absolutely will achieve that. I, you know, if I was I was reading through comments. So what's and, the bad side? And Quasar says, as a dad with two kids and two 3ds's, I would have jumped all over this. I think they're spot on with the marketing of these things. I agree with that, and I and I I think they are spot on with the marketing. It's just that it could have been that plus. It could have been a very cool device. I think that right off the bat, if you look at it, the first question is, why, if you're going to use this tablet form factor, do you stick to smaller DS screen scale? Why not use the larger screens of the XL? If you're going to put one big screen in there anyway, why on earth would you keep yourself to the smaller dimensions of the the 3DS screen? Proportional to kids, I guess, because, you know... Proportional to kids? What are you talking about? Five, six, seven-year-olds. They're not as, you know, they would... I, I guess uh-huh. I guess it would suit their stature you're, you're a little saying, better. You're saying I'm already building a device that is that is not pocketable. Okay, this device well, yeah. is not pocketable. But there's that, no more. There's no longer that, any reason to keep this thing small. And the and the increase in size between the DS and the DS XL screen is not huge from a measurement standpoint when you're looking at it in in the scope of this thing. But it is a really valuable real estate. If you compare a 3DS next to a 3DS XL, you're like, wow, the XL looks really nice. Okay. I don't. I don't think okay. they're looking at that in terms of like comparing to other handhelds. They're comparing that thing to tablets, and tablets aren't very pocketable either. 
Right. Well, so if they're comparing it to tablets, then the next question is, and this is, you know, into like why it's an ab- abomination. We're going to use this single screen. Oh, the <laughs> Abomination's too strong. It's, it's not an abomination. It's just, it's a perplexing mess that could have been so much more. And in the end is just, here's a thing that we're going to make so we can sell more DSs to kids and move along. And that's exactly what they want to do. And that's exactly what they're going that, to do. And that's great. Why, but it why could have that, been, it, why is that what? I don't understand. Why is that disappointing? Why is it so offensive to you? Why is it uh, an abomination? Is no, it's, it's, it's more it's, fine, Jeff. I'm sorry. I'll take back abomination. It's well, not offensive to me. Christ's sakes, dude. It, well, You're okay. crucifying me over making a hype for a show. No, I'm saying okay, everyone listening. It is not an abomination anymore. I'm so sorry. Please write your nasty fucking <laughs> it, post on whatever forum you'd like. Take me to trash. Out. It's and chill now out. Can we move on? I, it's just I merely was, ugly. And it's and it's oh, and it's it, a missed opportunity. It's like I'm looking at it and saying, wow, this could have been something really cool. And instead, they just made a cash in for kids. I think they made I think they made what what they thought would be the least expensive version of a 3DS that they could make. I think they're trying to keep the cost down at every turn. And that's that's why it's one solid piece of something with a one screen that's. But you know, and they're trying the, to keep it's it them cheap. Doing, it's them doing their their version of the super cheap Xbox console. You know, the arcade. But version if it's that one screen, why not just make that one screen a hair larger and do the XL screen size? Why? Why? Why make it like this? Are, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I just don't think that I, you think. Let me ask you this question: If the screen is the size of the the XL, all of a sudden it's not an abomination. Well, would you please stop it with the abomination well, already? I, I'm just saying it's it's strong. It's God strong. damn! Can we just start the show over? I won't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck's sake! What is what is what does the screen size have to do to with the to the price point? Though? I don't even like want to talk. You know, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Let's move on. Seriously, Dude, I'm, I, I, challenging, I'm, I'm challenging. I'm challenging. I'm done. I'm challenging. You guys the, talk about it, Garnett. I was challenging the 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 intensity of your it's criticism. It's called radio, and I'm sorry okay. that I did it. All right. Well, if it was just a rhetorical Apology. device, that's fine. All I'm saying is, I, allow me to be as strenuous in my coming back to you as you are in your rhetorical device. Allow me to push back and say that if you're gonna if you're gonna be that uh, that um, strongly opposed to it, I'm trying to make you defend your point. And all I'm saying is that it doesn't seem it seems like a fairly marginal product if it feels like hey here's a cheaper entry point that'll sell the same software that we have for this more expensive device and the xl clearly costs them more because they're charging more for it yeah i was about to ask are they still selling those things at a loss or no or because i remember they when they initially dropped the price like about a year after it came out they started selling those units at a at an initial loss i don't know if that's still the case these uh, nowadays I, just, I think it all boils down to the screen. Like the reason you don't have a big screen on those is because then all of a sudden the price point difference that you have between Bef- between the XL it's, and all the of a sudden regular, now you're it's back arbitrary. Up, now you're back up at the at the price point that's comparable, and then you look at those two devices side by side, and you're like, well, of course I'm not getting that one. Yeah, you know, I'm getting the one with 3D in it. I get I get where I, they're going with this because I remember I ha- I have a sister in law with two kids. She bought her kids tablets for Christmas last year. Uh, my girlfriend has like three siblings, and their stepmom bought them to all tablets for christmas last year so they're trying to tap into that the problem is of course i don't think they are i I honestly don't think they are but go ahead and finish your point but i think the problem is that with if you give your kids tablets well that's great you can get them a game for 99 cents uh 3ds games aren't aren't that cheap they're about like 40 50 bucks right but what tablet can you buy for 119 or 120 whatever they're nine they're 99 dollar tablets out there they're they're really cheap model tablets like a 
like an Asus or one of those. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Well, that. I mean, I th- and I think that that boils down to you know, as a handheld device, do you want it primarily as a multimedia device? Do you want it primarily as a game playing device? And it, and I would say that tablets and stuff, as much as they have great titles that are designed for those systems, um, it's not the same thing as designing a game for a system that's actually got buttons and you know is right. designed to play games. Yeah. Um. Uh. But again, I Garnet. <laughs> I was just pushing back, bro. Come on, join the conversation. Come back in here. Why? <laughs> because <laughs> we're doing a show. You said it yourselves, dude. <laughs> you clearly, you clearly feel like this is a device without an audience. And I'm all I'm saying is it, that is not true either. I think okay. it's a device with a very clear audience. I think they, they you know, it's a Pokemon player. It is exactly what it looks like. It's a Pokemon player, which is why it comes out at the same day as Pokemon. It's a Pokemon player for 130 bucks. Can we all? It's agree- a lazy design that's designed to that's that's targeted to be a little bit cheaper. I I for one, and you know, maybe it's. Maybe it's all a matter of perspective, but if you're talking about a two hundred and a hundred and seventy and a hundred and thirty dollar device, I don't see it as this huge savings. Oh my god! If I bought two of the regular three DSs, which have the same screen format as this, then that's three hundred and forty bucks. If I buy two of these, then that's two hundred and no two sixty. So I save eighty bucks across two devices that's two games that's two games it's a deal for some people it's not a deal for other people but i think that for for this thing that looks like it was just merely put to get like put together just to be a pokemon player why is it 130 dollars? now let me what would be what what would be the the price point that would make it attractive to me it looks like a hundred dollar device yeah i kind of agree with you yeah it looks like something you put out there it looks like something you put out there and say hey Hey y'all, here's it. Here is a device that'll play DS games. Mm-hmm. We'll just call them DS games now. We'll go back to calling them DS games. Right. Here's a device that'll play DS games like Pokemon, which comes out today. You won't get 3D functionality, and it's a hundred bucks. But I, I think that I from, still wouldn't buy that, one. It's I, not well, and I mean, I, not, I think they should have bundled it with Pokemon personally. If I'm they're fine with the same it. day. I'm fine with it not being for us. No, no, no. But that's I, but neither kind of there. It, is, it is kind of a missed opportunity, though. If you're going to make a scaled down device and make it, I mean, make it sexy. Make it, make it like you know, seem like it's offering something they that the done other a lot systems of cool don't. don't Man, offer. I, I, I think you guys are probably right. I mean, you clearly are right that it's that it's there's a potential there to make something really attractive to us. But I'm saying uh, it, this is clearly aimed at people who could have been attract- didn't want a 3DS. But it could have been attractive. I think it could have been now. attractive to us and to that same market. Hmm. I don't think that they needed to just. I wonder what led just to that borrow design. from like the Fisher Park Fisher Price Design School. There, I mean, they they could have had full. I mean, look, it's a full screen underneath there. So even if you even if you want it, let's for a moment say that the change from the size screen to do the DS format to the size screen to do the Excel format would have been a 10% increase in cost, which I don't think it is. You know, when iSupply breaks down phones, the screens typically are not the hugest change. If you're talking about similar resolutions and roughly the same size. Now, if you change technologies, you know, if you go from, you know, like the, you know, the, uh, 
the resolution of a Galaxy S4 to something like on a generation prior to that, then then you'll see a jump. But that's because the technology inherent to it has changed. If you're talking about same technology screens and relatively same size, but even let, let's put it on the side. Let's say, let's say they had to stick to this size screen. It could have been a full screen without the plastic bezel with software because it's still, so- I'm sorry, it could have been, because software is obviously doing the emulation of the two screens right. anyway, so it's already doing that. It could have just not had the bezel, and you could have allowed developers to do something interesting with it. Well, but then, that could have been cool. But then, it, then you're splintering your your audience. It's 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 clearly made to and play 3D, the same exact software as your 3DS. Which I understand, and 3D and and 3ds games have been required to work in 2d mode from the outset so that was never a fragmentation however this does preclude any 3d in your game and which is strange because especially with the zelda coming out that is so heavily uh utilizing the 3d aspect of level design and that top down you know it's but but all games all 3ds games have to work in 2d so so that i don't think that that's a big change but it seems like developers will be less inclined to give a crap about how 3d it looks <laughs> in their games uh third third parties really don't focus that much on nintendo platforms anyway these days it's, as sad it, as that it's is to potential say. it's you know it's exactly like why why ken klops who had the first comment on on shack said man without the clamshell I was really hoping for an improved analog Ooh, stick yeah i agree it, with it's that things like that it's like you could have had an improved analog stick here but they mm. chose not to do that you could have had a full screen a full screen option in here and who knows what you could have done with it i mean maybe you could even just done little things with it but they chose not to do that you could have had a little bit bigger screen format but they chose not to do that i mean form factor ugly form factor aside i just wonder how much of this was okay let's make the cheapest damn ds 3ds possible and and that's what what it ended up looking like i think that's what it is you know know, i don't think it's a it's lazy it even has a i mean it's that big case but it has a mono speaker in it. Now, granted, every, most everybody who handheld games, games with headphones anyway, so it's probably not a big deal. But it, it's just even down to like, oh, we just put one little, sp- like really, like the speaker, like having a second little bitty mini speaker mm-hmm. in there was, was that was cost enough that you had to cut that? But I don't think it's a, I mean, I don't think it's a design, a redesign of the of the 3DS in the no. same way that the, you know, DS Lite was a redesign of the DS. It's, it's clearly like a step backwards. Like, hey, we'll give it. We'll let you play these games for cheap. And if it, you're going to compromise, you're not going to get the best experience. But it's cheap. It's a device to hit an audience. Right. I get that. And and for that audience, so, I don't think they care so much about stereo sound or even like the bigger screen. And you don't, you don't even notice the bigger screen is. It's like little Jimmy's first DS. Like you don't notice the how small a screen is until you actually try out an XL. Like I didn't even realize how small that the first 3DS screen was until I got my hands on an XL and I go. Wow, I'm, I I'm blown away by this. As as a fan of games and gaming, then I'll say that it struck me as a mis- huge missed opportunity to do something cool that could have still been tied into uh, the market goal of hitting a younger audience. Could have still done that, but could have been so much more. And instead, it's a hey, we want to go hit this market audience, and here's what we turn out and. We're going to tout how much less expensive it is, but we're still not under $100. It's still 130 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, hey, we're saving you money. 
I mean, I bet you they could sell a crap ton of those if they oh they'll sell if, this if is it up to ninety nine bucks. Well, if they get it to ninety nine bucks, especially anywhere near the holidays yeah. at all, or, like, or even if they counterpoint something. Counterpoint is the parents. You know what? If you did have to buy two of them, or God forbid, three of them, then every time you do, it's another forty dollars savings. So, like I said, it's eighty if you buy two of them in Reggie's scenario. If you buy, right. if you had to buy three, if you had three kids, that's one hundred and twenty bucks. I mean, yeah, it, yes, obviously it adds up. Clearly, it adds up. It's just, you know, I mean, how about take us one step further? What if this were full screen and were somehow a next generation Wii U gamepad? Like yeah. somehow worked with the well, Wii U. Well, now that is a really exciting idea. That And look at the thing. Look at the way this thing looks. Do you not think immediately, wow, like that's that would be an awesome Wii U game. But that's not at all what they were shooting for. You I know, know, they're not, not what they were shooting for. I'm just saying. Yeah, like, that, that's. I mean, that, there's it, still it'd be room cool. for that. It'd be cool, but it'd be really soon after the Wii U. Sure, and that's that's very pie in the sky ish. I don't think the the I, I save that piece for last because I think it's pie in the sky ish as opposed to the other pieces. Though I just and it also seems to me that Nintendo is completely uninterested in using the the game the Wii gamepad in ways that would require multiple people to have them and right you, you know because if you're looking be, yeah. because they did say you could hook up two game pads but so far really nothing has come of that no. right and and, and it, nothing it, since they said that like a year and a half ago well you still can you just have to buy an extra game pad and and the idea that you know almost almost all these games are playable with the the wii moat yeah it makes it that pretty much you're not going to find any kind of um uh, required so functionality so from that this this may, this may sound like crack smoking but but what do you think you know six months a year from now we see a wii u without that tablet because nobody's adopted it fully yeah you know you've got had a just few, comes with a, a few really good flash in the pans like rayman and stuff but then eventually it's like i don't think you can do it i don't think you can do that i think too many first party games are going to be utilizing it to get rid well, of it and no i think honestly I, somebody else pointed this out to me and it it kind of turned the light on in my head that and it was clear at the outset that this was the case but i really thought that they would go farther than this but it seems to me and it seemed to this person that really the whole idea behind the gamepad with the wii u is second screen gaming (laughs) is honestly second screen gaming is your tv is occupied you can switch stuff to the to the to the wii pad and that's what you know sony is doing with the ps4 and the vita um but the fact that they want to be able to have you switch the main game screen to that Wii pad with almost any game means that you're not going to be able to require that game pad as input because if it's used to be the, the game screen when your TV is occupied, you can't use it for any kind of innovative gameplay. Input. Well, and it's that, like, that and was it's like a, a halfway device. I'm oh, sorry. I was, uh, 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 I, was, I was saying that was the point Andrew was making last week is that the part of the appeal to Wii U is just being able to use the game pad and just play it on your bed. No, I, what I'm, what I, and what I'm coming to the realization of and i think is was the case all along perhaps is that that was the entire plan like that's yeah that was the extent of the plan right right that it was never meant to no, be yeah, what you said makes sense because i can't i can't use it as a controller and a screen simultaneously right so then therefore, unless the you, game was designed for that and then the game doesn't work on the big screen as well because if the game is designed exactly. for me to be touching it and using it like a vita right Unless you know you're have, having the Wiimote use be your, your your finger in some way, you know what I mean. But yeah. but even that, then you're not even with multi touch anymore. You know, it's it's you're limited by single touch in interface. The Wii, Wii U gamepad doesn't have multi touch. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Is that it, it, 
I don't think it was ever intended to be a transformative input device. It was always, I think, intended to be alternate. Your kids are alternate screen device. Alternate screen device. Exactly. Your kids Although alternate screen device that can be used in context with the game to do asymmetrical gaming because they have been big on the asymmetric gaming thing. Right. So they were big. I, I don't. Right. Think but that's only that. in that's only certain modes of games. That's that's not an integral. Oh, so part. in other words, you don't think they would design a game around that? I was ranting and raving on this show about. Um, about uh, Mario Kart only using it as a horn. I just thought that was well, ridiculous. And, and yet people pointed out that you do use it for other things. Right, but the idea that it would just turn into one giant big button, but it makes a lot of sense when it's like, no, you want to be able to take the entire game and put it on that screen, so you can't have it be But nothing is telling stuff. a developer that they have to be able to put the game onto the second screen. No, but I think first party... So you can still make experiences that don't require that. You could still sure. do it. So there's nothing slamming the door in creativity to say, hey, developer, don't come up with And look at good. what Zombie U did. I mean, Zombie, Zombie U is awesome. Exactly. But I, if you're looking at first party, what I expected was all these first party Nintendo games were going to come out and prove why the Wii U's... Wii, um, gamepad was the big feature and they haven't done it case in point mario kart and i looked at mario kart and i was like what is this company doing as i ranted on this show about and then i think that's the explanation is that well they're consolidating around their core group i mean that's why you you make it to go back to the 2ds and where their market positioning it you go back to your core audience and your core audience has been that you're really good with connecting with gamers at a young age and here's a way to do that. You got a Pokemon game coming out. You make this really awesome Pokemon player. I yeah. mean, hell, there was a day and age where they could have made a. I think someone might have actually done this. Made like a handheld Pokedex, and people would have eat, eaten it up. I think they can still do that, but they send. They tend to rest on these things and go back to them too much, which is something that you know myself as a Nintendo. I, I've had lots of good experiences playing Nintendo games. I miss Nintendo being in its strength because there were lots of great games that came from that. You know, like. 64 and gamecube like eras and i feel like like i would love to have that come back there there aren't there aren't as many but there's still there's still some yeah yeah. so jeff then in 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 light of all that what do you think about the 299 wii u i think it's an abomination (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna slap you wait 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 wait, wait, just the deluxe bundle or the wind waker bundle because wind waker uh, a wind waker bundle for 299 is pretty amazing i think so it's a weird price drop that that nintendo has executed on the wii u they've got i, I just think the timing's a little weird like the middle of september like that's kind of well no that's real september it's good they're getting themselves positioned for the christmas run for a holiday run they're going to be out at they're out they're going to be out with their message well in advance of the two big console launches right and they're going to be hey you can now get the new wii the wii u with a zelda title yeah for 300 bucks i think that's great and i i and i they what, the two dates that they came out with for Donkey Kong and um, Super Mario 3D Super World. Mario 3D World are th- those are well in advance of of both console launches. So as they're well, going right? to have them. They're going to have all this content out. Yeah. Do you, is however is three hundred dollars for a deluxe Wii U sufficient to take it to war? I don't know. With a Zelda I mean, game, looking at the Xbox One, perhaps when you're talking about two hundred dollars, it's more. the strongest it's ever looked though. It is. Oh, it's definitely like, the strongest like, that we use like ever. Look, ever no looked. argument. It's, it's definitely moving the right direction. But yeah, it's a good question. Like three hundred bucks. That's really not. You know, yeah. you're talking the same ballpark at that point. Yeah, that's not like what the Wii was, where it was so much less than the other two consoles that it really, uh, <laughs> it really uh, was a differentiator. You know, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I mean, a hundred hundred bucks less than the PS4. It's not. 
too shabby. Right. Two hundred bucks less than the P- the Xbox One. That's a big deal. Yeah, that goes back to them aiming for their audience of like families. Like if you're a parent, and you're shopping for your kid. You're not going to get a five hundred dollar Xbox One or a four hundred dollar PS4. You're going to get a three hundred dollar a three hundred dollar console that comes with a game already installed or available that comes with it. Well, PS4 comes with games. <sighs> no, but but in package though, is it bundled yeah. with the game? Or? No, no. I mean, a plus download. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got to buy pl- uh, plus and Xbox Live Gold like apart from it. Like it's it ends up being ex- an expensive well, package. And, you know, the Zelda inclusion is part of the advent of Nintendo moving to digital inclusions. So I mean, this yeah. is a mm-hmm. digital package. This is a, it's a big move. I I think it's interesting to see how they're positioning this because really what it sort of says to me is that there really was never that much difference between the base system and the deluxe system right which we kind of all knew in the first place but we were going to go ahead and fork over the 50 extra bucks to get the deluxe system so basically what they've said is yeah that 32 gigs of front i I, I think they're starting to realize that you can't do anything with an 8 gig base system like yeah the download for the wonderful 101 by itself is 10 gigs like Mm. you're like there's like these games are huge you're not gonna be able to do it yeah it's wow I'm surprised. That's a, that's it, it's pretty big. So you, they pretty much admission you know, that you've got to have that flash RAM, and, and then they move to this with the pack in. Who knows? How, it'd be interesting to see how long into the post-holiday season the Zelda bundle runs. Yeah, you know how how deep are they going to? Because no longer is it a case of we have to manufacture Zelda discs to go into this sucker. They could yeah. theoretically run this limited edition as long as they wanted to. When they decide to cut it off, it'll be because they've decided they want to cut that promotion off. It's well, like, well, okay, we've juiced the Wii U number as much as we want to juice it. Let's stop doing that. And how easy is it for them to do another similar promotion? Uh, like the Zelda promotion's over, but here comes the new super Mario easy. game. The world, of, the, the world of digital, yeah. the world of digital inclusion suddenly changes this all up for them, right? It's it's like so easy for them now to do these pack-in games. It's a really that's kind of a cool thing for people looking down the road. Still makes a hard argument. Three hundred bucks for a Wii U going into this fall for core gamers is a hard argument to drive. I mean, mm. Wind Waker is not going to bring a lot of people back to it. Wonderful One Hundred and One is cool, but it's not going to sell. It's not going to sell it by itself. No. no, yeah, I wonder what the what the draw is for Wind Waker. I'm curious about that because nostalgia. Well, n- nostalgia for us, but there's a whole generation of kids that probably never played it. Although with that art style, like you can and easily get a kid into rose-colored it. nostalgia because if you think back to when it came out, it, mm-hmm. it was very, very divisive. I mean, right? People were all like, you were taking but you sides. Don't have that and, now, but now you now everyone that's seems to that's because look- we loved Oc- uh, Ocarina of Time so much, and I was actually one of those people that initially hated on Wind Waker. And now I would argue also that, that there were fewer variations in art styles back then. It was a sort of linear progression of you know we had just sort of landed in the in the true 3D era. Graphics were. Oh, cell shading was just becoming the shit then. It was exactly. Like, it was like, oh my gosh, this new right. And you didn't you yeah. didn't have all these independent titles, all these kind of pushing the envelopes, artistic takes on on video game graphics. So you think and, that our our visual sensitivities and and aesthetics have matured some? I do. I think huh. that people's minds have been opened to the possibilities of games, not just not just trying to look more real or more, you know. Uh, uh, gritty and and grounded in reality because for a while there there was this progression of you know <laughs> it started off with blocks and the, the better that the technology became the more it could look less like art and more like reality and we were all excited about oh it's getting closer and closer and closer to to being a real looking thing you know pixar like graphics it's something that you, it, it looks <laughs> right. like it could be a real thing I remember that. and then at a certain point when that became that point sort of became moot and it, it 
you know, it wasn't a limitation of technology anymore. It was like, oh, now we can explore the various artistic aspects of experimentation with the way games look. So I think people were less concerned with, oh, we, we can keep pushing toward a certain aesthetic and vary the aesthetics. And I, th- I think Wind Waker came at a time when we weren't really doing that. And everybody was like, what? What is this? And I, I really think if Wind Waker came out now, it, nobody would blink at at that. It wouldn't. Be, it would be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a really interesting because take. Because of the vibrant, yeah. vibrant indie scene and everything else yeah. that's happened. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I, I'm yeah. It really was one of the first games of its kind. Like I, I don't. I actually don't remember any associated titles from that. Jet Set Radio. Radio. Yeah, Jet Set Radio. Oh, yeah. I missed out on all that. <laughs> There's a. I think that's on PS Plus for free, or was just recently. It was on Vita. Yeah, you can yeah. Get it up on your Vita. Yeah. So anyway, all right. You won't have to miss any of the show. Run a little long on this first segment. You guys will stick around. We will be uh, back on the other side. Still have lots to talk about in this weekend confirmed. Hey everybody, you know what happens when the best video game sports writers from sites like Kotaku, Polygon, GamesRadar, Joystick, Pasta Padre, and Operation Sports get together? Well, I'll tell you, it's called the Press Row Podcast. You guys want to check it out. It's hosted by Rich Grisham. He brings all these folks together somehow. Can you believe it? Pasta Padre and Operation Sports on the same show. It's pretty freaking awesome. They get long-form interviews with developers. They also discuss, of course, all the sports games that are coming out. And... It's a great podcast to listen to. It's the Press Row podcast. It's available now on iTunes, or you can get it directly from their hosts over there on Operation Sports. Good stuff out there if you are a sports video game player. That's the Press Row podcast, which you can get right now off of OperationSports.com or subscribe to it on iTunes. All right, everybody. Uh, and by the way, awesome new uh, swap we're doing there with the Press Row podcast. Yeah. Cool, cool post. Cool. And by the way, uh, Rich Grisham who is the host of that is also in uh, four strain leagues where mm. I'm going to be playing back to playing Madden season again. Nice. Coming up when we start the tailgate, we'll also, so we'll have tailgate. We may have some fantasy and then we'll also have, uh, you know, our Madden season going on from four Yeah, hey, You got to keep us updated on that. To do all, nice. I have to do all of these. We'll have a very long tailgate. We'll have to figure out how to moderate the tailgates length. Something, yeah. Something. Uh, and anyway, also those, for those of you, uh, it's only show. Uh, it should be its own <laughs> show. No, we're not doing it. N- no, NFL, cook, NFL kicks off next week while we're recording. NFL yes. kicks off next week, next, next Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, we, we will do, do, we, we do beers after that. We can do a short tailgate today to sort of yeah. get ready for the season. Have some, uh, you know, you know. Just call, call the, uh, Den- the Denver call your Baltimore shots. game. Jeff will be calling his uh, 49ers winning the Super Bowl. I will. Of course. Yes, indeed. I will not be predicting my Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. We'll talk, <laughs> so we can talk about that a little bit. Although, uh, doesn't uh, Jerry Jones think that that's... Didn't he, say, Jerry Jones is the he has the mind of a 40-year-old, don't you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have the mind of a 40-year-old. That's not really going to serve him that well. <laughs> uh, and then for those of you listening, because of course uh, there was all that in the, in the first, I'll just tell you, Jeff and I, are, don't worry about Jeff and I's little lover's quarrel. I'm just sad I love that, you, babe. I'm sorry that they, I love you, they, they I love you more. I love you more. I'm just, I'm just sad that uh, next week there will be no abomination of the week. Uh, there will be no... Evidently it won't be a there recurring segment. Very short there segment. Will never be an abomination you, of the week. it had legs. It had legs. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to throw yourself under that bus, feel free. Okay. I'm not going to throw myself under that bus ever again. All right. So what's it's just up? a little bit of dramatic? It was a little bit of dramatic radio play that did not work worth a damn. <laughs> so there you I go. I need to be informed before <laughs> yeah. that we're clearly, doing that. Clearly, I could tell it was like I got, I got the response from you that I was going to get from the internet, and so that's good. And no, that's I did not. Uh, I never at once called you gay or uh, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That's what the internet. How's the internet? Uh, <laughs> we're th- yeah, yeah we're threatening me or anything okay. else. Uh, but before we move off of that Wii U topic, there was one thing that. I wanted to note and that's 
I'm really surprised that it's actually, I mean, I know I was calling for the price drop a while back, but I'm still a little surprised that we're only 10 months removed from that thing coming out and it's already getting a price drop. It's like the same, along the same lines as the 3DS. And I haven't heard anyone point out that, wow, it's only been 10 months already getting a price drop or even anyone like wondering where there's like an ambassador package for for the Wii U. I I wonder if they, that's a good question. Do you want to address that first? No, go ahead. So my question was, I wonder if they even at this point regret calling it the Wii U and not, you know, we anything else. Not yeah, not we two or something mm. else because I think that, we two would have been a great name for it because yeah. it's like you know it's sort well, it's, of a it's, play. It's, it's on, inclusive. It yeah. could have been it's pr- in proper so grammar. Sure great, but it's we you. No, I better, better than we you. Okay, yeah. that's I guess. Yeah, that's but my at least to the average consumer, they would have gotten an idea that oh, yeah. this is the next. You know, this is the next thing. This is the next machine. Yeah. You know, I. I, I I don't think Xbox One will have that problem because it went from Xbox to Xbox 360 to Xbox One. But you know, it's really easy with PlayStation, PS2, PS3, PS4. Yeah. Uh, sane, sane naming. And then there's, Sony. A, there's a number. I mean, look, there's been, there's, I, I guess it's all been anecdotal evidence, but there's been plenty of people who have noted that there are people out there who don't really click to the idea that the Wii U is anything other than a Wii with a gamepad. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that they they have even positioned it in a strange way hybrid place of yeah it it is a new console but you use the old console's controllers with right. it right i mean uh, it's that's like another, that's, another, it's a weird, that. that's another that's another weird piece it you straddles use the old consoles controllers it with straddles it. this weird line of you know it's it's an upgrade kind of but it's new well but and that's it, why know. they're having such a hard time because their target audience is not you know or they're they're the, the bulk of their audience is not savvy to that kind of stuff yeah you know they're it's 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 you just don't right you don't immediately make that connection so so because the audience for this show particularly is is pretty much gamers, as we learned from the 2DS conversation, <laughs> uh, someone asked me this last week, why did we ask the question of why to wait on next gen? For us, isn't the question, why would you want to go out there? Why, why, do we want, why do we want an Xbox One or a PS4 on launch day? Well, because all the answers to that for me are irrational ones. <laughs> but that's just it. So what are your irrational? Why do you want? Why, let's, let's techno why, lust. Techno lust for you. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it's wanting to have my hands on the newest, latest, best. Yeah, it's, it's that's, a status symbol. That's you what, should run a show by it. That's, that's a good name. Probably good, yeah. NLB. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I... That's why I love this hobby so much is I want to I want to be on the cutting edge all the time. And that's completely irrational. And I would not recommend that to anyone. It makes no sense financially. It makes no sense from a. okay. stop disagreeing. This is the positive scope of why you want it. (laughs) Right. I just want to, you know, caveat everything I'm saying by the fact that I recognize how, you know, wrong minded that is. But it's going to be fun being there at the. Here's what I will say. I remember day one ps3 and i remember day one xbox 360 and both of them were very fun days to be a console gamer yeah even with kind of crappy launch titles you know cameo yeah (laughs) i actually liked cameo i know it was it was okay it was was, enjoyed it yeah um perfect dark yay (laughs) right (laughs) that one not as much much. but call of duty 2 was great and Mm -hmm. and freaking geometry wars and the i and one of the things i remember the most about the 360 launch in particular was logging on every week and finding out what the new Xbox Live Arcade games were going to be. Because at that time, it was, there was going to be two or three new ones. And so you could literally be up to date with all of them. And right. and, and you didn't know, and it was exciting. And there, this was a new kind of smaller digestible format that was really... 
And I think in the same way, PS4 and 360 with their uh, new integration of log on and just watch someone play something, you know, get onto Twitch or do these things. There's going to be this interesting community of launch day people that I think will be really exciting to be a part of. And I'm I'm looking more forward to the sort of the ecosystem. Sounds like a Google Hangout. Well, I mean, this is this is where we are. This is the this is the new. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of great content coming out. And and yeah. if you're as voracious about content as I think we all are here at this table, that's for me the personal draw. So, it's so like, Jeff, why do you, Jeff Mattis? Why yeah. do you want? Why do you want a console? Why do you want an Xbox or a PS4? By the way, are you getting both or either or neither? I I'm getting both eventually. Okay. So are um, you getting it either on launch day? Uh, that will depend on how soon I'm employed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all so, things being equal, were you employed? Would you get both, either, or neither? Oh, both. Okay. Yeah. And what would what's the draw? What would be what would be the uh, Jeff Mattis gotta haves? Um. Well, I I mean there, it's all it's all about the games for me. And and there are yeah there are going to be some crossover titles that are, you know, current gen, next gen, mm-hmm. straddling that line. Not as concerned about those, but I want to be you know experiencing that stuff as soon as I can. In the, I want to see what these boxes can. I mean, part of it's just like, okay, what is this really going to be like? I mean, I've seen stuff and you know demos and this and that and the other thing, but but you know, how is that going to? Uh, I'm just excited about the new the new the new games. I mean, the new experiences, right? Like that's what you look forward to for the. That's the whole reason. The I'm, newness, the newness well, itself and, is a thing. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and I think I think I think the experience. The I think the experiences that we get while they're not going to be all of a sudden we're having, you know complete reinvention of the video game wheel some of these incremental steps even for launch titles are like wow that does look significantly better and i mean like just something as simple as assassin's creed assassin's creed 4's open world you know go from ground to ship to naval combat back to the ground i mean that's yeah it doesn't look like a million times better than ac3 it looks a little bit better but that open world you know sort of the, the stuff that te- the technology allows to happen is is probably the most exciting. So I want to have those experiences. Ozzy, either, neither, or both? Uh, it's going to be both for me. And it's not entirely because I'm, because I'm, you know, part of press, but I'll, I'll, I just want to see where a lot of those old franchises kind of go take the next step. And I know I was, last time I was on the show, I was talking about how Call of Duty Ghosts looked really current gen. I was really disappointed by it. But when you look at something like Battlefield 4 or something like uh, Need for Speed Rivals, like the differences between the current gen versions and the next gen versions should be something really substantial and i really can't wait to see what the what these next gen consoles can do with them i think that i think that's going to be a lot of folks's motivation yeah there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of exclusive difference exclusives that are i'm really excited about i'm not particularly excited about rise son of rome uh even though I keep hearing it's a lot better than it looks. I'm not really all that excited about Killzone, although that will probably win me over the next couple of months. But it, it's going to be like all the established stuff, a lot of the uh, the battlefields and the need for speeds, and even something like like Jeff was saying, Assassin's Creed. So just want to see what the... These games where the engine allows the game across two generations to really reflect the jump, and it seems mm-hmm. like... It was interesting. Someone asked me about titles the other day, and I realized, you know, Electronic Arts pretty balls deep into going for it at launch mm-hmm. you know if they you, always sort of are aren't they, they always and i sort think of that well and, and i was thinking about this in terms of engine is that i think it's it's showing the investment and the reason they made the investment in dice and frostbite because mm-hmm. frostbite 2 clearly gives them a lot of uh 
capability yeah. to be on 360 PS3 and to be on PS4 and Xbox One right. and to do a a game that jumps between the two and you can really tell a difference. Not not just a, oh, we added some new textures and cleaned things up. I mean, remember during the transition from you know Xbox PS2 to Xbox 360 and PS3, those cross-generation games like like Gun, they were yeah they were Tony Hawk yeah they were they were you 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 got them on the new machine and you're like well that's pretty disappointing yeah yeah you know that's yeah. not really that's not really what I was hoping to have bought my new machine for and this time around when we see these games you know when we see Battlefield Four on a PS4 on a three on a on an Xbox One we're like holy crap that looks amazing that's right. what I want I totally and that's what you know for me that's what gets me going is is that I want that. I, I want I want that experience, and I want it like the moment I can have it. Right. Well, the moment you can have it though is when it is released on your PC. That's true. That's true. That's well, the that moment you can have it. Right. No, that that's that's true. And, and I think that, that's going to yeah. be a problem for the real hardcore like me, who you know I'm gonna I'm gonna want to play Battlefield Four at the highest specs I can as soon as I can, which is again an irrational impulse in me, but it's the case and. I'm not excited about playing it on my consoles because it'll that will be weeks after I could play it already on my PC at high specs. And and as PC gaming has evolved, especially in the last year, it's it's now becoming increasingly common for people to have controllers hooked up to their PC. I do. To have do. a large screen TV format size screen hooked up to their too. PC. Well, well and, 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 and Valve has still got to be mode. thinking about, and I'm sure it's like a deal, not they're making their own console, but partnering with a hardware company to put out a modular PC. That's it has ba- been, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's, it's, I, I think it's just a matter of time that before something like that, that happens. And once that happens, it's going to be a real stark contrast between, well, how conven- how different are these two experiences really? Yes, one's technically a home console with all of that sort of, you know, well, those the, tropes built the into The Ubisoft it. games will be a litmus test, an early litmus test for this because yeah, they, just, yeah. they just recently announced a partnership with NVIDIA. Now, typically these sort of partnerships, you kind of put air quotes around the partnerships because they're usually they're marketing deals, right? It's right, like, yeah. oh, well, you'll get like a splash screen that says plays best on NVIDIA. Or when, NVIDIA. You, when you buy uh, the, the high, like the Titan, it'll have, uh, you know, watchdogs in it. And it's a right. back end, you know. So, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, but to some degree, if if a game like Watch Dogs is particularly well optimized for NVIDIA cards, there are a number of people who have NVIDIA cards, and they've got them hooked up to their televisions with controller support, yeah, and they're able to play them just like that. How well, how well will the Xbox One, PS4 compare? Compare yeah. when it's right there that on is, the exact yeah. same display technology? That's going to be that's a really a tough. Question. That's a really tough, you know, punch to punch because, yeah. and and. That's that's the problem with consoles as they go into this next generation is how long can they survive that? Because if you think back just to two just to even a year or two ago of where we were in terms of video card tech, and then think about how quickly it keeps going, right? And 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 these consoles, their you know, their designs were set in stone a year or so ago, right? Yeah, but that's how it always is. Every it is generation. how it is that is. But what what hadn't happened before was this slow move of the computer, of the PC. Into the, the living room space, into the right. television space. No, that's true. But I, I think that that is mitigated a bit by the fact that you have a set spec that everyone can design right to. So you sure, tend you to get write the quote right to the silicon thing. Exactly. Um, can I, I want to tangentially just bring something up just that, because I, when you said valve, it, it triggered something in me uh, about um, steam. Did you, anybody else notice that the steam midweek madness sale 
I logged on today and happened to mm. see it, is for uh, budgeting <laughs> software. Yeah. I did. I thought. It's for a budgeting yep. software. They, they, are, they are going beyond games. So this is my question, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but it just you know, popped a really, in my really head. good deal on that, too. I it think. is a really good deal. Yeah. It's like 70% off. Yeah, it's but, ridiculous. Um, but then it's still like 60 bucks. God knows well, yeah, budget. but if, but if you need budgeting software. Right. Or like, but here's the thing. Know. Does that does that dilute Steam as a platform no. for games? No, because I think those are all, like you've seen like all the game maker stuff, like the RPG maker, and right. the, they have a whole bunch of those you know, studio type. But do you th- think if they're just a store at a certain point, if it's just, I can buy Quicken and Turbo. No, 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 no more no. than something like I, movies would dilute Xbox live. As, no, as long as, PSN. and as long as that extra content is, is there to support gaming in some way. Like, like budget your shit so that if the next team sale comes up, you don't go no, to the poor no, no, house. No, no, no. The budgeting, <laughs> so, I think the budgeting software is for developers. Oh, who are it? like trying to budget a project? And like, I, I I will freely admit that I didn't read very much into it. I just thought, it was like budget software. I was like what budget software, yeah. Is. And uh, <laughs> I thought maybe it was more. I thought it was just like your home budget. No, no, no. It's it's like ah. it's akin to the. There's like a, uh, I don't know. It's a content generator thing where you can actually tree out dialogue trees for ah. a whole entire game. It's 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 a tool to. I really thought it was know. their their foray into just being a store for just being Amazon. You know, which oh, I was like, right. well, that's, nah, that's this is not, yeah. worrisome to me. You don't want Steam to become the aisles at Micro Center? Or fries. Yeah. Yeah. I, Why I, would that bug you? I think it would dilute the, what makes Steam special. Going to the game shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that would be a good business decision for them. I'm not speaking to that. I'm just saying for me as a. Not if it. Not if it turns people off and it's no longer going to the game shop. Because keep in mind, there's a number of sharks waiting right there for Steam to slip at all. Sure, there's right. still plenty of digital distribution Everybody wants systems that, that want to get that yeah. want you know that want to have any chance of assaulting the fortress. But True. right now, Steam is that fortress, and they're not going anywhere. Yeah. So I I don't know I don't I think that stuff like like you're talking about. Although you know there I, I was actually looking through the software because it's bizarre because it, I, I kind of caught my they have they do have some stuff that's just not really related. Like they have a they have like a a virtual DJ software that's in there. Mm. Like how? Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. kind of pushing it. I mean, for it's me. fun. Yeah. It's cool and all, but like, well, why, is, why is Steam selling virtual DJ? Software? Are you going to make a soundtrack for your game? Could you use it for that? Th- th- theoretically? I mean, yeah. you're, you're, I think that's pushing it. Like, you're you're worried about it turning into the app store from, uh, from Apple or, but I'm not worried about it. You see, I, I don't know that I necessarily am worried about it. Jeff. You would I welcome that. I, I, welcome it i don't know that i welcome it i just i don't know that i really care so long i think as it's an abomination <laughs> <laughs> can we come full circle take a shot every time you hear the word abomination no you would you would honestly i'm just gonna go jump under the bus <laughs> you think it would be you think it would be a good i think it's possible that thing. with the right management they yeah. could run it and not lose steam the steam store not steam lose the steam game, on steam not lose steam the game store and be able to have other products. I don't think that they can become, you know, like the, like the, I think the app store maybe is a good example. I don't think they can necessarily become the app store by forcing it, but if it's sort of an organic thing that happens, I mean, does anyone really pale about going to buy games through iTunes? I think the app store is pretty crappy. I'm not, no, I agree that I agree that the, as an experience, as the experience is not that great. Yeah. But if Steam was able to maintain the integrity of its games offerings 
and be able to do more, why would that be upsetting? I mean, do you buy other software? Why, why not just buy that same software from Steam when it's something you want to buy? I think more stores should take Steam as example and just kind of lay out their stores the way they do. Just because it's when you're looking for like a sale on the App Store and Google Play, it's so hard to find anything unless you hear it like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack everything. I That's just saw right. that and. I think that me. I think that's an interesting conversation. Although I don't, I don't think I think it's kind of inside baseball a little yeah. bit. But. Well, and let's face it, Valve is not hurting for content to sell. You know, right? no, they're I not. Mean, they, they, it's not like they're like, well, what else one can year, we sell? one year anniversary, on, DJ guys, of, yeah, <laughs> one year anniversary of Greenlight, and now Greenlighting one hundred games, yeah. hundred games, one hundred. Yeah, talk yeah. about diluting. Well, I mean, I, is that? Yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't see a well, lot which way, of quality but, in those but games. Which way, which way do you go on that, Jeff? I mean, part of Gabe's pitch is that they don't want to be an impediment to the sure. developer. They want to let, they want to give them, they want to give anybody out there who's developing games a a storefront that they could go sell in. I suppose, but but again, it's the app store problem. Do you not welcome that? I don't that was, know. I was kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like. The the problem that I have with the App Store is that it's it's this sea of and even the App Store that's not even to talk about the Android App Store oh, which is Jesus, a whole right. other Wild yeah. West oh, wow. version. Yeah. You know, do you do you want curated content or do you want wide open content? I don't know about curated. I'm not I'm not advocating that far of a step. I'm just saying. And keep in mind, one of the things that Steam was talking about was being able to, for you to create storefronts where you would curate content and pull together the cool stuff that yeah. you think is cool. And then Jeff's people, favorite games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they still percolate that stuff to the top, the good stuff to the top pretty Absolutely. well. You know, it's not like, it's not like in, you know, the Xbox Live indie games thing where you go in there and it's just a f- giant cesspool of garbage and then you find one little gem. Hey, well, that's, you know, I mean, to those, pull it, pull it full circle too. I was making fun of me. Someone out there saying, hey, I worked on one of those games. <laughs> yeah, <that's all>. <laughs> <laughs> to pull it full no, circle, I too. And I like a few of them. But when yeah. I was just talking about um, you know, the Xbox 360 launch and how fun it was to be there every, what, Tuesday was it? Wednesday was it? When the new um, arcade games were coming out? Yep. When you, could, you really could wrap your head around the entire breadth of content that was available on that right. platform. And you knew A to Z, everything that was out. Poker Smash comes out. Everybody's like, Poker oh, Smash, Poker oh my Smash God, it's awesome. amazing. Yeah. But then... In the App Store or what Xbox Live has become, which is just a so there's so much content that you drown in it. It's a churn. Yeah. It's yeah. just like you 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 blink for you miss it for a week. You're like And oh. again, these are champagne problems. These are right, you know, sure, oh, sure. we have too many great games to play or too no, many great games but to the, put out. But, but they don't they do not do a great job. There are a lot of uh, a handful of good games that I played on like Xbox Live Indie, for example, that just could not there was no way for them to see any real light of day because you know, you're talking about a one-man developer who made a really good game, and the one promotional thing that they get is, you know, a little window on the Xbox Live Indie Game Storefront. Hey, there if, they're are lucky, some people, if they're lucky, there's some people who think that those live panels of content that you flip back and forth through menu systems are a really good UI. Uh, well, uh, although they're called they're called the UI designers at Madden. Yeah, and then there's yeah. Oh, oh okay, good good segue. Yeah. Uh, so Madden looks like uh, flat. It looks like Xbox Live. Yeah, the, the UI design. It's a weird spot <laughs> oh, to start no. the conversation about this, but the the UI the UI design. Well, it's just it's just why do you make why would you build it's in vogue now? You know why this. would you build the why would you build the front end of your user experience around a UI design that is 
at best divisive, at best, at best draws lines between people who like it. And at worst has a lot of people who say, this is really awkward and hard to work with. Yeah. So you go, oh, you know what? Let's embrace this. Yeah. Let's embrace this and go for it. So yeah, the, the main menu system of Madden is four, four full screens that you navigate with bumpers going back and forth between that are filled with different sizes boxes hmm. that are populated by live, like live web pull down generation and and it's really weird how the hierarchy works like sometimes you're in a window and they'll be because it's suggesting things so it's there's some clever stuff going on underneath the hood but then there's some mistakes made Hmm. so there's this idea of when you boot up the first screen that you see one of the big boxes is keep playing and you can click on it and it shows you like this set of tiles for stuff you've been doing lately. Like you've been playing Man of Ultimate Team, it'll take you right back to your Ultimate Team. You've been playing Franchise, Connected Careers, take you right back to that. You've been playing online, take you right back to that. So that's cool, right? So it's just but a then, different way of saying continue. Well, it's a way of saying continue almost like a web browser does where it's like, here are some of the things you've been doing lately, Jeff. Which one of them do you want to go back to? Uh-huh. You know, like the like the Google Chrome window with all of the different... Here's, here's yeah, a bunch here's of panels you've been few recent. So that's kind yeah. of cool. But then all of those menu items are then duplicated by force through the other sections that they would be in. And as a result, sometimes to get to things that you might want to do, like moments or, or other ways of playing the game, you actually have to burrow down into the menu system to get to them. So you might have to, you know, now you decide you want to play something different and whatever, you know, maybe it's a challenge or something. But to get to it, you have to, you know, page right to panels and then figure out, oh, more options and then go into more options and then find it. You know, and this sounds even more complicated than, I mean, even the 2K sports stuff lately has been. It's not even that it's complicated. It's just not intuitive. It's weird. And it's, and they keep adding like, all this different stuff, these different modes and these different, and you're, and, and so in addition to the, the stuff you're looking for and that you know about, there's all this other stuff. And I think, you know, I think everybody gets used to it, but yeah, it, it takes a while to get in there and like actually figure out where to find what it is that you want to. And, and I know it's nitpicky play. and it has nothing. We'll talk about, we'll, we'll move right into the game, but it just seems bizarre to me that, that they have not, that someone hasn't come along and developed a better UI system for sports games. And certainly the direction that they're going is not getting better. At Mm -hmm. least in my, in this, in this reviewer's opinion, that is not a move for the improvement. That is a move for a more uh, layered and overworked environment that is not conducive to just like getting me to where I want to get in the game, which is all the UI I want to do. All I want the UI to do is get me to where I want to get in the game as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Uh, so the Madden, you know the funny thing about Madden because I got I got to write this review. I promised Andrew I would write a written review. I haven't written written. I have not written a written review. We've been on the edge of our seats for it in in forever. So I mean, I'll just sit here and tell you like some of the stuff I've been thinking about to go into this review. Uh, the thing about Madden is this: this is the twenty fifth Madden, and it's also my twenty fifth Madden. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. That's I was there. That's a lot of Madden, yeah, you know, and I have I have a tons of memories. I have memories going back to, you know, getting the very first one on an, on an Apple on Apple computer, like, you know, yeah. so that's crazy, right? And I remember when I could get it on my Genesis and I was like, oh yeah, oh, Bo Jackson God. baby. freaking Luya. You know, that to me was like those were the salad days, right? Yeah. And so then the question becomes like so mine, by the way. how do you review and how do you grade and and you know, how do you look at Madden? And the answer is you don't look at any of that shit. You look at this game. 
because all that matters is this game and there's really no there's really no point to getting into this whole well what's the improvement from last year thing because no one gives a shit because for somebody it's their first Madden and for somebody else it's their 25th Madden and at the end of the day all that matters is you're sitting down and playing that game well let me let me just play devil's advocate on that point for a second and I think it's very few people's first Madden I think that, but it's somebody's with, first Madden with any perennial game. <laughs> My first Madden. There, there is sort of a an um, expected question, a, a sort of built-in question of, I bought this last year. Yeah. Do I need to buy it again this year? And I think that that's a question. You know, we've been asking that question for a long time. And I don't know that that necessarily is the question to ask because the reality is that if you're a fan of that sports, you want the upgraded you're, you're roster. Buying, it's the roster. Yeah. You're buying the new year regardless. Yeah. Right. And so I, this is the trap that I think EA has fallen into in development of this game is that they get worried about, well, what do we improve from last year? Where do we target our improvement from last year? They never come into it. They need, and they seem to be really stuck in this in Madden. They, I, I, I haven't had a sense with Madden in at least this generation and stretching back into PlayStation 2 that they ever started the pre-prototype phase for the next game and said, how can we make the best game of football possible? Right. In, it a, always, in, in a year. I mean, that's, <laughs> well, that's right. like, yeah. Well, and ba- well, basically in a year and a half because right. the that's way the team current. rotate, they, they start pre-prod while right. the finaling team is finaling the, the pre-revert. No, good point. Version. Good point. But regardless, it's like yeah. I, I never get the sense that they sit down and do that. I get the sense that they sit down and say, okay, well, here's the feedback we got from last year. Here's the feature right. sets that we've had in mind for past, for previous versions. What can we put together to make this next version interesting and something marketing can sell? But that kind of a dead – I mean, I would say the one sort of exception to that in the iteration, iteration process is when they do do a marketedly new engine. And it does sort of cha- make makes some sweet, sweeping changes across the board. But that isn't – I mean – I've for the longest time said I'd be, I'd be a proponent of buying Madden, you know, 2013 and then buying, you know, $40 roster expansions with, with these incremental updates for three years and then buying another full, because, well, and sadly we've, we've talked about that yeah. a million times and, yeah, and the reality is they're not going to go to it as long as they can sell $60 games every season. Unless they well, come up with a subscription model. It, you and, unless, unless it becomes significantly less expensive to produce these $40 content like you don't need the huge team to build a whole new game it's like you're basically tweaking things and you're maybe you're updating a couple of the game systems or adding a game system but really like that might be less expensive than okay we're building a whole new iteration again and we're adding all this stuff i don't know if you know they might be able to make their money back that way if they i don't, I don't know might. if the fans would like it but but that's do they take the same approach with madden as they do with the other ea sports games because it looks like series like fifa and nhl go in and market it and noticeably very, trying to improve. Very reliant on the teams. I mean, I think if you go and look at FIFA, which to me is the poster boy for top in class in EA Sports, <clears throat> somewhere around four years ago, and, and you could easily make an argument this is due to competition because they faced stiff competition from Konami in the soccer space. They did take an approach of, we need to get our game on the field better, period. And that resulted in a renaissance, you know, for for FIFA, and and they and they really elevated their game. And I think you can also say now, in the last year or so, they've fallen. They're starting to fall into the same trap of okay, well, how do we iterate on it? How do we? What do we come in and do that we didn't do last year? We want to do next year. Well, how do we make it better? You know, and and that is the crux of my thing about Madden is that 
it's got a number of masters to serve in the design and it, it and as a result it's th- still not serving any of them particularly well the game on the field certainly from you know certainly has improved it's still, it's it's a it's it's the most fun game of Madden to play that I played in like the last two or three. The offense has a little more of its way with the world. Running has become uh, slippery and easier, and and they've they've sort of uh, they've adjusted so that they're calling it the Infinity Engine two, but basically they're leaning high on the on the on the physics modeling, right? So they get a lot of physics modeling going on, and what's what's working for them in this regard is that when you're running the the weaving stick run sort of thing that you've seen in Madden is gone and by and it's been replaced by a much more real looking sort of animation of a running back who has momentum and shifts on his legs and makes cuts the way you'd expect him to and the and the boon of this also is that especially as the physics gets applied to blocking you can follow your you can follow your blocks much more easily now although linemen still make still run blindly run past blitzing linebackers because they weren't assigned to pick them up mm-hmm. so you still have that weirdness that's in there so that you know there's lots to look forward to in the next gen by the way because the next gen has per per player ai that seems to handle that pretty well um the the passing feels really automatic i mean dreadfully automatic mm. at that times there's you know i i actually had a game i was playing the other night we're going into the late third quarter. I was 100% accuracy, 100% completion rate. Oh my god. 100% completion rate on all pro. I was like, awesome. This is this is like it's ridiculous. Super realistic. Super yeah. realistic, right? And and I mean that and that's where the game still struggles to be it still struggles between being a video game and a game. And like I said, this is the most fun yeah. game of Madden I've had in a long time. But that you don't for some reason it it is and I think it's because of the way it approaches being a game too. It it is in it is unable to do the sort of push pull that you see in a great game. No matter what you set the minutes per quarter to, you're not going to see a game where team one gets the ball and moves it, you know, a couple of first downs and punts, and then team two gets the ball and moves it a, a first down and then punts, and then team one gets it back and they move it a little bit, but something happens, they get pushed back and they punt. You don't see that. You see, you see, you see either three and outs. You mean like a. a- oakland san diego game (laughs) no we're gonna score someplace (laughs) in here you see either three and outs or you see uh quick scores or you see long prolonged drives you see lots of long you know it's pretty easy now to get into like a rhythm and just run a long prolonged drive but that's the that's the hard thing i think for any game any sports game to maintain is it's not fun to not be successful right and yet and i you building in sort of human error it, it, to make a more more realistic, experience. I don't want to see I don't want to see Jason Witten drop the ball exactly when he when, he, when I hit you him threw it he, right to him. Yep. You know that happens in real life. Yep. Right. Sure, but does. it's not fun when it happens in your video game. Nope. Uh, be, and you and you think of any other genre, any other genre in all of video gaming, you don't want your you know your swords, your shooting guy. You when you're pointing right at him, you don't want him to miss. Yeah, your but accuracy. If, if you were doing is, yeah. realistic war game, you certainly would. You know, if you were doing realistic sword fighting game, your dude would get really tired. And you know, there, there's no equivalent in any other. You, you don't have to compare it to a real world thing in any other genre of video game. Well, Here, I, I think it's because you don't have as much agency over the act of catching the ball, other than pressing a button if you're controlling that dude. Like, I, I don't, I don't think you have enough. 
like there's no contr- skill check. Yeah, it's well, not. Like, you don't want more. I mean, really, would you no, no, want no, more agency no, ever? No, like, no, no, hold but on, you got to pull the right trigger to put your right arm out, the left trigger <laughs> yeah. to put your left arm out, and then you use that's the X button to grab. Made for, I'm, pump, I'm pumping the triggers to run. You know, yeah, no, yeah, no, I don't that. want. Put that. your hands yeah. up to catch the ball. Connect. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That was that cool thing. Do you guys see that thing? Total side note. I'll, let, I'll get back in a second. That that thing that somebody was inventing that shoots air to simulate pushback on for uh, motion control stuff. No, I think it was at E3 this yeah. year, and it like literally puffs, will, of, puffs air. of air and it, like has something like sixty four directions yeah. it can send it from. 60. I don't know. Something, it's some iteration of directions that it can send it from, so it can simulate. Can all you these hook things. a vaporizer up to that? Because <laughs> then it would be awesome. I've always wanted my games to blow me. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyway, go oh ahead. Oh dear. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just saying. I think that's probably. I mean, for this for this show, that's probably as much as depth, depth as we want to get into. It's it's really fun game. Uh, they 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 have made it fun enough that I will be playing it more because very simply they took out the blind no look over the back uh interceptions from linebackers so you don't see that anymore you don't see linebackers running away from the quarterback who just t- stab their arm up and magically pull a pass down out of the air. That's nice. Can I ask you kind of a provocative question on this topic? It, would you what do you wear when you're playing that? <laughs> my you, underwear is this hand making you uncomfortable yeah. um is let's say somehow magically they were to do what you're asking which is sort of a ground level reboot a real reboot yeah real reboot mm-hmm. but they did it in the release schedule of madden yeah. and they did it without publicizing it like if you weren't aware of it do you think you would notice i think so you really do. You yeah, think that, really that, that that like what what would it take to feel like a brand new game? 2K Sports make it. Well, <laughs> without with and 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 I'm optim this is this is some hopeful optimism. I think that what they're doing in the next gen version is the first step towards doing that because one of the that limitations per AI thing. the per player AI thing is is holds the key to making a really really big difference. And it's the thing we always are hoping for with uh, a quote unquote next gen is like use the resources for yes. AI. Yeah. Yes. And the, and the differences between that and having, you know, every, and then look, they work with a real NFL retired lineman to get blocking assignments. Right. So it's not like they're just out there fuddling around in the dark. They right. have a clue what they're doing. The problem is that with the resources you have on a current box, there's only so many things, situations they can account for and that's what they're doing is they're accounting for situations and hopefully with this ability to provide a a stronger you know a real ai in those blockers then they'll be able to adapt and adjust to things yeah so the other thing is weird is like with the physics system is the other thing you're going to see some funny youtubes Nice, <laughs> because because there are there, I've already seen two or three times when they go to tackle the ball carrier and like someone winds up underneath where the ball carrier is supposed to land, so he lands on top of them and then just sort of bounces around on top of them, <laughs> and it's you know you start getting to the room of the FIFA yeah uh, uh, FIFA YouTube's from a couple of years ago. There might be some there might be some potential for that because I don't know I've already seen some guys like bouncing around. You're like what, what what's going on here? Like why is why is that man bouncing on top of that man? What's what's happening here? <laughs> But at the same time, no, it's amazing. That one. <laughs> like, like they do do things differently. You, you can you can throw a real back corner fade now, a back shoulder fade. You, mm-hmm. Like when you call the back shoulder fade, the, the receiver does a really great job of doing that little stop, putting his feet down, turning, yeah. and and catching it. Yet for the fourth or fifth year in a row, if you're running a sideline pass on the short side of the field, you better throw it the second he makes his cut because otherwise the f- stupid ass receiver is going to run out of bounds mm-hmm. when there's nobody covering him. Even if nobody's coming, he's going to run out of bounds and you'll be like, dude, there's why stop at the sideline if you <laughs> right. run out of bounds i can't throw the ball to you yeah 
boneheaded stuff. All right. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, that's the halftime for Weekend Confirmed. Oh, we'll come back with the game. second half. Stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get up-to-the-minute gaming news along with thousands of HD videos and screenshots. Get into the action by creating your own profile, post updates about what you're playing, and stay connected with friends and other gamers. Tired of standing in lines? Find great deals on new and used games, pre-order upcoming titles, and get Gamefly's daily deals all from the palm of your hand. If you're already a Gamefly member, manage your game queue on the go and keep games you like with just one tap. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. All right, ready to uh, crank back up into the second half of this full-scale tilt as we get ready for football season. Yeah, I'm Yay. ready, man. I'm excited. This is my favorite time of year, the fall. Really? Favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. I love Halloween. I love, I love, oh, I love fa- fall I, baseball, mm-hmm. fall football. Mm-hmm. The, be- the w- w- weather's cooling down a little hockey? bit. I've never been into hockey, but, you know. I, hockey's been getting better. NBA season tips off in November. Like it, it's, yeah. it's a great time to be a sports fan. I like Christmas. I like Christmas, but I like I like Thanksgiving. I like Halloween. I just like the. Fall. I go I go from That's nerd to, to dork at Christmas. I like Christmas ornaments and Christmas music. And, oh well, I can't argue with that. And lights. And as much clothes. as I love the summer, and I do love the summer, but the fall is just magic time. All right, so moving right along. Moving right along, right along, right along. Uh, yes. What are we talking about? I don't know. Ozzy said he wanted to hit me up with something, but well, well, like, well no, silently. I was just like having this like kind of. I, just thinking about like the pl- uh, player AI in Madden, and I was just thinking, I'm like, if they took that power of the cloud stuff and like applied it to like all the player AI and let the de- the defenses adjust to your offense as the game goes along, just thinking how wonderful that would be. But how that, do you mean? Uh, like you know, if if you if you just like keep throwing the same pass over and over, like eventually it starts to adjust to you. And I admit that I haven't played Madden as much in like the last ten years as much, but it. It would just seem kind of interesting to me more just if it felt more like an organic game than anything else. It would also be very cool if they used that cloud-based computing power to analyze real players in the NFL yes. and their and their analogs in the game and were able to adapt that play style and play adaptation over the course of a season into the players you were playing. And they have that sort of in FIFA where they where they talk about, you know, a player being on form and they and they do bring in their on form from the real world into when you're playing and it's really cool to do that. It, it would have to be though like a general assessment of the team, right? Because you wouldn't be playing an individual line. No, in, in FIFA you it's the players, it's players. Oh no, I just form. but I mean in Madden specifically, right? You would have like if I was playing against your Dallas Cowboys, it would be like I was playing against your Dallas Cowboys as opposed to yeah, because it gets a specific it gets weird, like, player, right? Like, and, yeah. and and do you and in of course we're not all playing linemen, so then right. you do the linemen by the real linemen, and then the skill players right. by the way I play the skill players, and and also like yeah. as a video game player, if I want to, if I'm you know a huge Oakland Raiders fan and I buy the game, I want to be able to play the Oakland Raiders and not be tied to the fact that they're awful this year. You know what I mean? Right. I, but then, you know, the, that's the other thing is, you know, we didn't even talk about Ultimate Team, which they've, go, you know, they continue to, to work their Ultimate Team system. And I, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Ultimate Team in and of itself is strange. So Ultimate Team is the card collecting thing. So it's like they describe it as card collecting meets fantasy football. But here's the thing is it thwarts me from doing what I want to do. What I want to do is like 
you know, create this crazy group of players that I want from all of these classic people, put them together and run fantasy teams and be able to have like a really robust system for putting that all together. They do all that, but they put it to you along with this card system. And the card system requires you to grind grind harder than I've seen some free-to-play games or buy card packs. Mm. And it's a $60 game in which you now want me to go buy card packs. And that's, it starts that's a carryover off- from last year, right? Yeah, it's, they do the same thing in FIFA. And it's even weirder because like when you start off the game, they give you like a starter pack and and the mm. starter pack gets you gets you, you know, a couple of three okay players, but the rest of them are all scrubs. So now you wind up with this team that you put on the field that's completely fucking bizarre where you've got a couple of great great skill players and then everybody else are just they're like third and fourth string guys. Mm. So you got a third and fourth string line and maybe you have a tier two you know like a like a backup halfback and a third string quarterback well of course you can't do anything but as you're trying to put things together you quickly realize man i need a lot more cards i need a lot more cards but then to get more cards you got to go out and play but that team's not that much fun to play but you could go buy some more cards available for only 1800 microsoft points oh my that's yeah, that's soon terrible. to be cash money right and it's yeah. it's it i just mm, i just don't i don't know how i feel about that and at the same time i don't even know that i care that much because paying, paying that's, an extra extra 1800 points for um, when you already have a 60 dollar game it's and they suck people in. Obviously, a ton of people love it. Ultimate Team is super popular, and I get it. And they made some refinements, improvements to it this time. And I think that those of you who like Ultimate Team will still be super grooving on it. And but hey, hey, look, if I played man. like three or four or five games a year, even, and that was all I played, I w- maybe wouldn't have as much trouble like dumping fifty bucks on card packs if that yeah. was like something I played for hundreds I of hours. But. I ran into a friend over the weekend, by the way, who said he already dumped twenty bucks on Hearthstone. Oh, cards. oh, it's ah. easy. Oh. It's easy. It's easy to do that. You know, the other thing, though, about and we were talking about that iteration thing, and I, I have to figure out how to like. This will also be in the reviews of place, but one of the funniest things about Madden to me is the irony of in loading screens because it's the 25th anniversary. They show highlights from prior Maddens, and about half of them are the graveyard of one-off gimmicks that didn't work. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, like <laughs> you guys are making the point right here for me. You're showing me all the stupid crap you tried one year, and we're like, oh, we got to add something new for the back of the box. I know. How about Vision Cone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although kind of just to put like an exclamation point on everything, I am a little jealous of the people that got the collector's edition and are getting Sunday ticket this year. That was a great deal. It's yeah. a great deal. That was a no doubt great deal. And I thought for sure when I saw that, I go, okay, they're going to make this a pain in the ass. They're going to have to make no. you call like two or three numbers. No, apparently it's really easy. Super so. simple. Yeah, no, that was, a, that was a great deal right off yeah. the bat. It was a really good deal. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <sighs> Saints Row 4? Yeah, sure. Do it. I don't sure. know, I don't know where that accent came me. from. Uh, yeah, Saints Row 4. So, I mean, what do you guys want to know about it that isn't already pretty well known? Honestly, I not know, that much. How bad as a superhero can you be? As someone who started Saints Row third at this third, after mm-hmm. having been told how awesome it's going to be and how much I'm going to enjoy it, and having plowed through the beginning, which was sort of fun, but then getting sort of no. lost in the miasma of the like early mid-game, is there maybe it's just not is Saints Row maybe just not for me? Well, no. Here's the, here's the thing about four that that should be very clear. Almost instantly, you get into the game, and almost instantly, you become a increasingly powerful superhero. Basically, is it uh, Crackdown? It yeah, very much so. Like yeah, like there that's is why a I want to play there's <laughs> you know different levels of jumping really high and gliding and and boot. so you're basically navigating the city. Classic there he oh. is every show. Classic <laughs> me. Sorry, something strange in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, so uh, it's actually Prince. Yeah, it is. Prince. Oh, it is. Yeah. 
Didn't so, he have a song the on the guitar. Ghostbusters It's not a little Ghostbusters. It's the guitar solo from Purple Rain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so you, uh, the, the, the open world navigation that the superpowers afford you is ridiculously fun. Like on par with, you know, the good Spider-Man game in terms of open world navigation and just be, and the Hulk. Uh, I think that Crackdown ultimate. is sort of the, the, uh, well, and top, that's and, and and this is this and this is probably this this will this will match that very well yeah. for you. Um, so yeah, I mean the the gist of the game is you're going you know it's a series of missions and then there's side missions that you can do for your homies, but it's sort of like a you know the Matrix setup, mm-hmm. you know, and without ruining anything, you know, you're yeah you know, this this world is virtual that right. you're in, um, and it and it, what it does is it allows them to. You really, even more so than they did in the last game, really pull the doors off of how batshit crazy the game is and how many pop culture references from every time period. I mean, you play in the 50s, you play in like, uh, uh, you know, there's they're, they're these set pieces as in three, which which I think it takes a little while to get into them in three, but like in this one, there's... Yeah, that was... So, so the, the set piece submissions are really, really funny. And Having now played three as far as far as I did, the... the the struggle that I had mm. was that they were absolutely dead set to take you through every side mission format yeah. before turning you loose in the game. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got through all of those, I only played a little bit afterwards because I was sort of just, I was worn out. Okay, there there is not nearly as much of that in this. They What they do is there are probably, I don't even know, I don't want to get the number wrong, but probably like say a dozen different side missions like optional things that are outside of the main story missions right they do introduce those to you but the way that they handle them is you know once you've quote unquote rescued one of your homies right and they become part of your crew um you basically you know can can do do side quests for them and it's like a list of you know not the same list of but it's like list of four missions and if if you do those four missions you get a crazy new gun or a gun upgrade or an outfit or whatever. So when you're looking mm-hmm. in the menus, you're like, eh, I don't really give a shit about the outfit and I don't really want to do this, but I'd really like the dubstep gun, you know, early. So I'll do this mission. Um, and then they also, they also tie those unlockables into challenges too. So, you know, it gets, it gets really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's a super long list. You get a whole bunch of powers. So it's about, you know, combining powers and killing enemies with a certain number of enemies with certain powers. But really what it does is it, it, gets you to a point where unless you want to beef your character up, you don't really have to do uh, many of those side missions at all. You can just stick to the main plot. You know, what's interesting is that, and this is maybe promising to me in Saints Row the Fourth or Saints Row 4 or whatever they call mm-hmm. it. Saints Row 4, isn't it? it was yeah. Saints Row the Third and this one's 4. Yeah. Your discussion so far hasn't brought up humor or sex toys or any of that stuff. Whereas the whole, you know, construct of you know, what's cool about Saints Row Third always started off with how crazy it is and how funny it is and all that oh, stuff. You're talking about you're talking about like game mechanic stuff that you really like, and that's a cool start. That that's that's an improvement. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly it is a game that I get that takes great do all joy in yes in doing that stuff. But do you I'm, feel like the mechanics then all these pieces are are improved over three? Yes, in fact, the well, okay, the open world navigation that they give you with flying around and jumping super high and stuff. And running up walls eventually, and all this, all this crazy stuff that they give you is, is 
twofold. It allows you to get around the world really, really fast and do whatever the next thing that you want to is. So there's no more, it's not the GTA syndrome of, oh shit, I got to get halfway across the map and that's going to take me five minutes. It's like you jump up in the air and you're literally flying over buildings and landing exactly where you want or, or bombing, dive bombing enemies from the air. You're Saints Row Superman. Yeah. You're basically Saints Row. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what you are. Uh, and so that is really cool and it speeds up the flow of what you want to get to next. So it's not like, you know, you don't have these artificial stops and starts. It's like you pick a mission, excuse me, you pick that a mission, is very cracked down. You, you hit the waypoint, you do it. And, and that is very cracked down sounding. They don't uh, make you do any of the optional stuff to uh, access the main plot or anything. Or? Um, well, what happens is each of your crew members, each of your homies, you rescue. And when you rescue them, you get, each of them has a loyalty mission. So, and it's a loyalty mission is a sequence of, you know, five or six things. And they're, those are typically a little bit more structured than the subsequent list of tasks that they'll give you, which is basically like, you know, go do a super speed race through the city, you know, go wipe out this area of alien scum, uh, you know, go into this rift in the, you know, uh, in the world and enter this whole new portal where you're like doing a Tron type racing thing. You know, they have all these different, different things that you can do. So it's really, you know, you're never, you're never, really forced into doing too many of the same missions. I think that there might be like a mission set, which is like four missions will take you like, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. And so you don't ever feel, and you're done with that. And you're like, I don't want to keep doing these, you know, semi repetitive, but still very engaged. Like I completed all the side quests in the game. So that'll give you an idea of like, I just kept going back and going, well, I can do this and get a new suit or I can do this and I can get a, you know, inflato ray gun or whatever it is. And, and, the gameplay. The so you hundred percent of this shit. Uh, no, because the challenges are even deeper than that. It's like you have to actually look in the menu and go. You know, the things that they ask you to do are not telegraphed to you for all of the unlocks. You can go in there and go, oh, I really want this thing. What do I have to do to get it? And then you can see, oh, I have to kill a hundred en- or fifty enemies with fire. Is or that, I- do you think that came from them wanting to have you just discovered them or because it was just... Oh, some of it, most of them, I, in fact, I didn't even go into that that particular sub-menu to look until after I was done because I was like, you know, the main story, the side missions and the main story missions, you know, give you enough stuff to chase after that you feel plenty powerful by the end of the game where you're, you know, there is an element of you want to do some of that stuff because you want to kick more ass and you want to just be able to like, you know, go up against 50 guys and just decimate them in a few minutes, but... um I will say, you know, I do have a couple of criticisms of the game. Um, the primary one is that vehicles in the game, with the exception of some very specific missions that require you to drive them, are pretty much irrelevant now. Right. Um, oh, that's fly. weird. Yeah. If you can fly, why, why, yeah, why are you in a car? And it's so much faster to fly. I mean, there, there are missions where they're like, okay, go, go carjack this car and drive it to a waypoint while everybody's trying to kill you. I mean, there's stuff like that, or there's stuff where you're in the back of a some or flying a spaceship because you have to you know it's a mayhem mission where you're flying a UFO and you're blowing stuff up. What about or, the mechs though? That got to be cool. right? The mechs are cool. Yes, yeah. they're 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 well, it's, uh, it's technically power armor. And there's power a big armor. there's a big joke in the game about when the president keeps calling him a mech and hmm. this tech guy's like, no, no, it's power armor. It's <laughs> like <laughs> totally different. Um, that stuff's really cool. The and because the vehicles are sort of become less relevant, while you can have a radio station on at any time because you're in a virtual world, so that's how they justify it. I found I didn't, I wasn't really using the radio stations too much, mm. um, and it was great. I missed a lot of the, the the soundtrack stuff, but then then what they do in these in these main story missions mm-hmm. is they they merge some of the 
they take some of these songs from the 80s and from very iconic movies and things and they insert them into a scene where you're playing hmm. and it's like the background score of like uh well okay so this 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 is a spoiler but it happens really really early in the game so it's not really going to ruin much but there's a scene where the president is like climbing up a nuclear missile that's flying through the sky trying to disable it and so he's climbing and ripping panel and you're doing this and ripping panels off of it and stuff and the whole time that that's going on uh it's Aerosmith's I don't want to miss a thing is playing in the oh, background. Right. <laughs> and so it's like Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, no Armageddon. Oh, Armageddon. Armageddon. Excuse yes, me. Yes, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's so they have a lot of those sort of like, oh, my God, I cannot believe they're playing this song right now. Yeah. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe they're they're taking me to this area or this new thing. It's 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 really, really entertaining. I just kind of breeze through it. And is it short. Uh, no, I probably put in. To do all the side quests and all the main missions without doing everything that you can do, I'd probably put in about 20 hours. Hmm, nice. So Reviews have been yeah. definitely solid on it. Yeah. Definitely solid. I mean, it seems like the you get one of two responses. You get the, oh my God, I love the empowerment thing and running around mm -hmm. and playing this. Or you get the, well, this is a really good version of a sandbox game. There might be other games that do things better, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but I mean, no one, no one's saying, you know, stay away. No one's saying, oh, it's terrible. Stay I away. I don't know why. This sounds like a game that I would really like. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm just so. Did you like the third? I did. You'll but like, I found you... I, I, I found I lost interest with it rather quickly. The, this, just because it's like, it, it, it's, it's all, it's all so frivolous and silly that. At a certain point, it's like, meh. Well, and, and there's a certain... there, there All is stick and no meat. The level yeah, of empowerment maybe. that you get from being able to fly around in the game is, you know, like I said, it breaks some systems. Like, you don't really care about cars anymore but or, or anything. But it is... You feel like a superhero. You're like, oh, I'm going to go over here. And, you know, you've got, like, Keith David's following you around. And, yeah. you know, I mean, play as Keith David. It's just... It's great. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a full-on... And I won't, you know, spoil where it is. But there's a full-on they live... Hmm. Uh, reference complete with an unlockable Roddy Roddy Piper. No way! Nice. Oh my God. So it's like shit like that <laughs> where, you're, where gum, you're just huh? yeah, where you're yeah, where <laughs> you're just like, and, and and Keith David's in it, so you can imagine like yeah, you know what they do with it. But but it's it's uh, full of those moments where I was just I was either laughing out loud or just kind of like oh that's that was really clever, good good on you guys. Yeah, and then there's there's stuff in there where you're just like. um I don't know. I guess I guess it is really self-aware. Like the you can romance all of the characters. So it's so it's adds a when you're on your ship, you know, you can walk up to any of your crew members and talk mm. to them and sometimes they'll give you missions, but there's always a romance option. <laughs> and it's How I mean, how do they handle the the romance? Oh, it is it is the like imagine what the 14-year-old <laughs> like wants that button to do <laughs> oh geez. except, the hot except mod? yeah well no 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 there's no it's not graphic it's like a conversational lead up and then like this like smooth jazz kicks in and then it fades to black <laughs> oh, yeah. and then you know that's it but it's like it's you know romancing there's even achievements for do everything for all your crew members so it's like you do all their side quests and then you romance them and then you get their their little achievement so yeah. you know it was a little awkward <laughs> But it, it brings to mind, you know, I've been playing Killer is Dead, and I did play through to get to the Gigolo missions. <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? Suda51. <laughs> Rick, seriously, I've, I've seen some defenses. That's why I was asking about it. Like, yeah. So in the end... No, it is firmly tongue-in-cheek. I mean, the, but, the, but the, the romancing, was it, was it at least fun and somehow tied to the game? I mean, did you no, feel like... had no impact. No. You're, you're basically on a hub, and you're basically like... 
Like it, I'm just, trying to think of one that's not not super crass, but it's like it's like trying to poke fun at Mass Effect, like that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is, it is a it is a really quick pop culture referential thing that has no impact on gameplay other than those little optional achievements that you can get. And it's and it's funny because you're like it's your president and my president is oh Nolan North is one of the vo- vocal options for your character. So you can, you know, choose one of the standard voices awesome. or, or pick Nolan North, which is rad. He makes little self-referential things throughout that's the game funny. and stuff. That's, that's pretty rad. Um, it's it's just every corner you turn, there's a there's a funny little thing. It's like, you know, it's it's not going to yeah, change it does the bring world. To mind, but, it does bring to mind the argument that was being made in this <laughs> leaked show thread, though, about our our ways that we look at these games and do we give Western developed games a pass for some things that we don't give a Japanese game developed game for. And I, I just think it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, I, I would love to play or at least see that and and have it as a, you know, ability to draw a relationship because the Gigolo missions in Killer is Dead are pretty damn misogynist. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, the, what what are the Gigolo missions? The from? Gigolo missions are so so. Killer is Dead. You play as a uh, assassination agent. His name's Mondo. And and it's a and it, and I get it like so the, some of the explanation that's gone on is that he's supposed to be like a James Bond like character, hence the name Mondo, which if you in Japanese pronunciation is sort of close to Bondo, and right, so he gets like some confusion going on there. So in his off time when he's not on missions, uh, you know, he'd be out romancing the ladies, of course, because mm. that's what Bond guys do. So the downside of this is that like there's nothing. Like, this mo- this mode is just it's not it's dumb. It's dumb and bad. You go to you go to a virtual bar and you're sitting at well not a virtual bar because other times you're just like in a in a restaurant or in or in a garden and and you sit down with this woman that you're going to quote unquote romance and you have a little tete a tete and while you're having this little uh, conversation with them the goal is to watch where they're looking and when they're not looking oh, look. Look at their boobs oh, or their crotch. Oh, wow. Jesus. Really? And, really? and by doing that, and, and you use the right stick to look at them, and then once you're looking at them, you pull the left trigger to, like, stare or gawk. No, really? And, and as you gawk, it, like, fills up this little meter, and the meter is your head. Okay, so you have, like, your head in, in profile at the bottom left hand of the corner, and it fills up with, like, liquid? From the bottom? Wait, which head are we talking here? Are you talking about your head? Oh, the one okay. on top of your neck. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that over. Really? So there's like a little there's a little profile of your head down here and it fills up with liquid and, and it like shows your brain as like canals and the liquid fills you up from the bottom. And and that's even weirder because like when you're looking at the girl's boobs or whatever and you pull the trigger, it like gives you a measurement of like the amount of juice that you're getting from them and it's like filling up your head <laughs> and this, this sounds, sounds like, some like the most terrible idea yeah it sounds like a bonkers japanese game show or something like that it is like, so bizarre and occasionally you look them in the face and you can like get and and then and, and what you do is you like look at them and then you like pull the trigger and it'll like start to glow for a second and then you'll get like fling and it'll get like bling and it'll tell you 36 ounces or whatever and then like the little meter oh, will rise yeah it's, and it doesn't dis- doesn't explain what that's a lot of juice. It probably doesn't. Like at this point, I'm like, this is just I'm playing really it stupid. Like, yeah, and that's, just, and that's disappointing. And you go through all this, and when your head gets completely filled up, you can give them a present. Mm-hmm. I bet, now, I bet you could. No, you no don't. You give them a present like a rose or a bottle of perfume or a moonstone pendant or yeah. 
See, I, I, I just want to know how they got wait, my dating practices like into a video game. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and the weird part is that there's no conversation going on. Occasionally, the girl will look up at you and say something silly. It has like her little doe eyes going. And of course, if she catches you staring, then she'll be all you know demure. I'm like, oh, why are you staring at me? And so it sounds and, like misogyny for misogyny's sake. Like, wait, what was that other game where you would have to take pictures of chicks when they weren't looking at you or something? There was another mainstream game that had a mini. It was like a, it was another Japanese game that had a mini game in it. It was fairly high profile, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. It does strike a chord. Yeah, yeah. Animal Crossing. Um, well, okay, it wasn't Yakuza, but or Yakuza whatever three or four or whatever the last one I played was that did have a it, photo mini game in it, but it wasn't about that. Well, it it wasn't, was wasn't Sleeping Dogs. And, and the hostess, by the way, the hostess club stuff in Yakuza is it's fine. That's fine. It's really, it's a really detailed simulation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no. Yeah. There's no game mechanic here. This is just. This is just. Right. just that's just mm-hmm. stupid. Even yeah. the old escort missions from the old Saints Row games were just tongue in cheek. They were just kind of like playing around with it. It wasn't like overtly misogynistic. And the thing anything. is, you need to go do these missions because these missions are how the the girls give you your new arm powers so i should explain oh geez really <laughs> what new arm powers your new arm powers because you know your arm is a blood gun but it can also be a drill ah. or it also can be a freeze ray right so basically you play this this game is is about as bizarre and crazy a suda game as you get so it's really this is all of suda in whatever grandeur and glory and flame out you can imagine all rolled into one. It's it's the Killer 7 aesthetic. It's the action of Shadows of the Dam. You know I love Shadows of the Dam. I have a uh, you did. I love yeah. Shadows of the Dam. You might be the and, number one fan for that game. Well, and I think that one of the things that really helped Shadows of the Damned is that it had a narrative that was at least you could you could at least sort of understand it. I mean, yeah, it was batshit insane, and your girlfriend had packed with the devil, and she got stolen away, and now you got to go through hell with your trusty Johnson and destroy all the demons that are between you and and save her. And that's all fine. But but at least the 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 lattice work of some sort of understandable girlfriend relationship save her held it together enough that that you could do something right here. It here it is. You're a agent working for a group that does assassinations uh and you're not exactly sure i'm not i'm sorry i played through seven of them i'm not exactly sure why i'm off killing people but it's off it's just pretty much ridiculous most of the people that we're killing turn into some sort of crazy you know demonic like thing you know they might turn into a giant monster oh, you're or, killing demons then. you're killing demons yeah. basically you wield this badass katana mm-hmm. katana's badass the combat it is shaped like a giant dick. No, 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 no it's really <laughs> no, cool. It's like a really no, it's a really cool long katana. You have a really cool long katana in one right. hand, and your arm is this like cyborg looking claw ended blood feeding arm thing. Oh, by the way, the, the katana drinks blood too, and it powers up based off drinking blood. So it gets more mm-hmm. power as you drink of blood. And then the, the arm gives you stuff like, uh, you know, the blood gun where you can shoot, the drill, which lets you power through obstacles and get through uh, people's shields. And then like the freeze gun, which lets you freeze enemies. And the combat system, 
on the surface of it, like once you start getting into it, it has a lot of cool stuff to it. It's 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 a pretty simple combat system. It's you know X to attack, hold X to do like a like a swirly thing, and then B to defend or B to dodge with an with an arrow. And it's it's really fast. It's really frantic. It has really cool counter system where if you uh, if you time your block or your dodge at the right time, you either get a pushback a stagger pushback or you get a slide to the side and an open counterattack. There are lots of different enemies that challenge you to use combinations. So use a guard break and then have to attack them or wait for an opening and parry and then come back and attack them. Mm. The, there's an upgrade system for, for, for Mondo where you can go in and, you know, improve his katana, improve his speed. You can up his gun powers. There's lots of interesting, cool things there. God damn, the game is just, off the if you're into off the wall it does all that really well there like the second i mean i guess maybe it's the third mission as you've probably seen you go to the moon and then you start off and you're like running across the moon in your business suit with a space helmet on i'm not really sure why you're wearing the space helmet because obviously it's not connected to anything else you're not you're not really just like give it a little character a little flash you know, and, and the aesthetic of the game has that has that Killer Seven style to it, which is, I mean, it's really cool. It has like this, it has this, you know, graphic novel come to life on your screen effect, and that's really cool. Is it a longer game than uh, Lollipop Chainsaw, which you could probably blow through in like five six hours? Uh, it doesn't seem like it is, dude. I played like I played probably coming up on five hours, and I bet you I'm two thirds of the way through it from mm-hmm. the way I feel about it. So you're gonna, you're probably gonna finish it. I am not going to finish it and I'll tell you why I'm not going to finish it because even if the even if I could stomach another one of the gigolo missions yeah. which I mean the God, the they make I, you feel so bad. It's like I can't slap my forehead loud enough to express how I feel. And I read the Exceed, I read the Exceed employees, you know, forum post defending it and I got to say I I cannot agree with that in light of having played it and especially considering that you have to do it to get the arm upgrades but the most egregious foul of this game is that it has the worst screen tearing that i have seen in a console game since i don't know when and it is it actually by the time i was done playing it last night at like one or two and one one something in the morning i had a headache the screen tearing is so bad so bad. I can't express to you how bad the screen tearing is. And someone on Twitter was like, oh yeah, it's just like the first or second level. I'm like, no, no. Going into like the fifth, sixth mission, it's still, it's it's just, it's really, really bad. Every time you move, especially if you if you look around quickly, the whole screen just oh. it's like people, it's just like being sliced in the middle. I can't play, and it's, I can't it's play that It's brutal. It is brutal. Alright. So, and I'm on Xbox, so I mean, I don't know if it's any different on any other platform, but I'm I'm I wish I could recommend the game. I wish that I wish that they hadn't done the Gigolo missions the way they have. I understand that it's that it is supposed to be an homage to the Bond, you know, woman woman getting sort of thing, but it's 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 not. It's bad. It's like and Bond not, Bond removed the class. And yeah, it's, it's just the, it's, it's, like, it's degrading and and there's just no there's the fact that there's no mechanic to it just makes it completely. I don't know. I mean, is the word I'm looking for like puerile or something? It oh just, yeah, it's just really. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then couple that with the screen tearing which means that i can't enjoy the action because the action is really fun and, and i love this sort of stuff i love these crazy games mm-hmm. i absolutely love these crazy games and there's there's there is definitely a 
great deal of promise in this one, but boy, it, it's just not on the mark. Killer, killer is dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sadly, wah, wah. it's just, yeah. And that having been said, uh, if you're a Suda fan, I guess if you wait for it to come down some and, and just prepare yourself, why can there not like be a steam sale or something? Why can there not be a V sync option for console games? Cause even mm, if it, even yeah. if it killed the frame rate, I think I think there have been a couple. Like I want to say, the first Saints Row had a V sync. Had a V sync, yeah, in, in the like, console option. God, it's just like so weird. Bad. It's like it's really a shame to be you know yeah. hamstrung by such a technical sort of thing. All right, uh, Ozzy is going to catch us up on Splinter Cell when we come back, and Jeff, uh, we'll talk about Wow. <laughs> I'd love to <laughs> talk something. about Shelter as well. Oh, we're talking for about some shelter. Sure, shelter. Sure, we have. Well, well, give me Shelter. Yeah, Rolling Stones. Word. All right, stick around. We'll be back for the uh, last part of this weekend confirmed. That's, love that tune that is yeah. why old school beats are where it's at yeah give you a little something to get with all right uh we're gonna get with some splinter cell well uh I, I reviewed splinter cell a couple of weeks ago and it's kind of a series that's been having an identity crisis over the last couple of years because everyone recognizes it as like the old school sam fisher full stealth experience and then conviction came along and conviction turned it into kind of more of an action focused game and it 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 got some new fans, but it turned off a lot of the older fans. Would you attribute that, by the way, would you attribute that to the gearsification of games? Because there there's been this ongoing thread in Weekend Confirmed comments on the show that gears had this chilling effect on design innovation in games in this last generation where everybody started to try and, and become, you know, gears like, get that action, get that third person action model right. So do you think that had Ge- some... Gears, Call of Duty, like that type of thing. Because I think gears was more in terms of like a visual aesthetic. Everything tried to go brown or try to go like that kind of post-apocalyptic scenario. This is more of a, this I felt was more like a kind of like a Call of Duty type of thing, okay. trying to get on, get a piece of that pie. But anyway, along came Blacklist and Blacklist kind of thought, yeah, we want to go back to like the older Sam Fisher, the, this, the full stealth type of experience. But at the same time, they wanted to retain some of the a lot of the elements of conviction. They didn't want to lose those people. So they try to have it both ways. And for the most part, it kind of worked because you can actually play through. A, well, you can actually play through Blacklist as both full kind of full stealth and also as like run and gun type of action game in a lot of ways. There are certain places where you can't do it, but it tries to emphasize being quiet, not getting spotted. None of that you can actually go through the entire game without without scoring a single kill. Hmm. And so that's pretty old school. It's pretty old school. I mean, that's pretty, that's back to the, you know, core ideal of really hard as hell though. And the thing that I liked about it was for someone like me that can't go full stealth, not because I don't want to, but because I literally can't because I kind of suck. Uh, if you get spotted, it actually doesn't give you like a fail state or anything like that. It lets you, it lets you keep going. You know, you get spotted. They probably call in a few reinforcements. You have to go find another hiding spot or whatever. And that kind of choice actually makes it a lot more appealing to probably every, probably all the every audience out well, there. So what does that feel like? Because I agree, 
I, I, a, I, I, fall into the same realm feels of a lot more not organic being, not being good at doing stealth and also getting impatient with doing that's stealth. why you guys if you haven't spent more time with monaco do that because yes. that handles fail states in so stealth well. incredibly well it, it handles it a lot like that in, in that it, it if shit goes sideways it's not the end of the world it's not the end of the mission just go go hide somewhere else they'll still be looking for you of course but that just kind of ups your game a little bit it means you have to be a little more clever in trying to take out anyone that's there so that that's it rewards you more for trying to be stealthy, and it also throws in a lot of these those action missions from from conviction. Like there's actually a shootout in, from the back of. All uh, right, so give me the backgrounder here. What's what? Where the hell is Sam Fisher now? What has he got himself into? Uh, Sam Fisher is in the uh, is part of a secret organization called Fourth Echelon. Uh, you hear about an attack on on American territory of Guam, and it's being done by a terrorist organization called uh, Shoot. What are they called? Oh the blacklist and uh, and uh basically sam fisher is just heading his own organization he's trying to take up the people from the blacklist before they carry out any more attacks their demands are pretty much they want all u.s troops out or else they will basically just raise hell and they're planning attacks on american soil as well so i i, I don't know i'm not all that big into uh sam into a uh, tom clancy storylines but if you're a big fan of that sort of thing i actually liked a lot of the twists including some that i can't quite spoil don't spoil anything i, I won't spoil something people don't want no definitely i'm not gonna not gonna spoil anything but i will say that uh they do try and sprinkle like a couple of uh story elements where you kind of choose where, whether to uh whether to kill a high, high priority target or you can spare them and it'll and you'll have to do like spur of the moments like it'll say left trigger spare right trigger kill and that didn't work so well for me because a lot really? of times, well, because a lot of times you don't really get to choose. Like I actually tried to spare a lot of people, but about half the time I spared someone and someone else just killed them two seconds later. So at that point, why even bother? Okay. So this is a little odd. So you would have a high value target and the game would present you a option. Do you say, I want to kill this guy or not? You right. decide not to. And someone else on your team does. N- or, or, or like, or like someone else on the blacklist, like just jumps in and just like kills them, like snipes them from far. So it's, it's a little That's bit weir- weird. It's a little bit weird. I didn't, I didn't really care for it that much. And I don't, I really don't honestly know if any, a lot of that makes a difference, especially, uh, well, it's gotta be, you've got to have ramifications. If you can put those kind of choices in the, yeah, you really well, need something to but, pay but, off. But you, you do see a lot of those like toggle switch sort of, you know, choices in games now and they don't, they don't end up paying off in any real way. I just, I'm yeah. I, I'd be curious to see if anyone actually went the full kill route, if it made any sort of difference. But how uh, well would you say the game lives up to its original promise? So, you know, the original promise here, as I as we pointed out last time we were talking about this game, is that you know this was a game that was a hero on the E3 stages two years ago. Mm-hmm. It was promoted as you know a, a big return for Sam Fisher, and and there was of course there was some controversy over how violent and and the scene you know was depicted. It, uh, that in the in those videos, there there are a couple of those really violent scenes in there, and a couple of really those uncomfortable like anti-hero type moments. Like there's actually a stage where uh, Sam's like trying to get information on from like an I think it's like an Iranian ambassador, and and uh, the guy doesn't want to cooperate, and he goes, "Oh, really? Well, um, I don't think your family would like that too much." And he just holds up like a cell phone, like showing like a drone plane over his family's like car and everything, and it's like, okay, that's a little much, it's a little dark, hmm. but. I think for people that are big fans of like this, the original Sam Fisher type stealth gameplay, I think they're really going to like it. I think it, it rewards you a lot more if you don't get spotted, and if you do, then it's not it's, it's not the end of the world. Just you just don't get rewarded as much, and 
and on, on, honestly, I, I do. I didn't wind up using too many of the other weapons. I, I think I just wound up like going through the whole game with a stealth pistol and uh, you know, maybe like upgraded the assault rifle once. But there are also a couple of gadgets that are really cool. And one of the ones that caught my attention was, of course, my old friend, the, uh, the recon drone from uh, the Last Ghost Recon game. <laughs> and I like that they even that out a little bit more because with the Ghost Recon Future Soldier, I was able to go through that entire game with the drone, just picking off targets as I went along. And with this, it's like, okay, here's your recon drone. You have four darts. Use them well. And it's like, so there's a lot more strategy involved. And it's, it's one of those things that I think the old fans will like. I think the newer fans aren't going to get turned off too much. And I, I miss Michael Ironside, but I haven't played it yet. So Yeah, I think the new guy actually doesn't sound all that bad, to be honest. I, th- I think he did a pretty good job. Did you dive into the multiplayer? Because that's... Spies versus Mercs is so much fun. Oh, my God. Between the... <laughs> all right. Well, we have a convert. Never mind. Why didn't you... Why did, by the way, pro tip. Bearing lead, the lead. Lead with that. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah, I wasn't Us. like a big... Look, look at how excited you are. Like that, What you should have... Here, here's where you should have gone. Just We'll just do like a little quick, you know, fun and conversation. Okay. Splinter Cell Conviction. Oh my God, Spies versus Mercs. You've got to play this game because it is fucking awesome. I love that they captured the, the feel of the old Spies versus Mercs game, but they threw in like all the modern bells and whistles, like all the, all the modern artwork, the shadow effects, that type of thing. And it makes, it makes the giant game of hide and seek a lot of fun because once you once you trigger a terminal and you just have to start hiding you're basically just trying to hide in the shadows or just like hang upside down like spider-man style and it's just waiting there as the mercs like walk underneath you and then you just dive in and instant kill this something so so refreshing clearly i can tell you are a favor uh, you're in favor of the spies side I, I, i think the spies actually have a little bit more of an advantage to be honest i think the only thing that the mercs really have going for them are probably like the proximity mines because and firepower well, they have firepower, but they have to see you first. Yes, but if they see you, you're toast. Yeah, I, and of course, uh, as I learned on the Merc side, I can't aim for shit. So <laughs> even if I see a spy just walking out towards me, I'll just start like emptying a clip and won't really hit anything. And of course, as for spies, it's a one-hit kill. So that that didn't work too well for me. But planning a proximity mine over by the target was really funny because I got a lot of posthumous kills that way. <laughs> Gotta be careful if you spy me. You Sounds just... like it's still one of the best multiplayer modes. Yeah, they have a few. Of they have a few stuff. more. Like the four, they they expanded it to four v four and try to make it like more class based. I don't think that works as well because you don't have that kind, that same kind of intimate feel that you do in like a dark facility. This is more like a wide open space, and it's still fun, but it's just not. It's kind of not the same. Yeah, I mean, obviously working around Shu, who legendarily loves spies mm-hmm. versus mercs, we we got to know that game and. There's there's a un, there there's a something very unique about hiding in a in a crawl space or a catwalk or someplace that's dark and and trying to you know finding the hiding spaces is half the fun of that mode it really is and and being patient when the mercs get to where your location is and knowing that wow you know if they shine that flashlight up here I am what am I going to do? But then, but then you know, thinking, oh, you know, it's good. I got good space. But then, of course, once people start to learn levels I, and they know where I, to look, and I was, I was, I was too busy. I was too busy with like, I'm like, I got night vision goggles and you don't. Ha ha ha. And but uh, yeah, I did get a hubristic a couple times and got shot a lot. But, but but playing as a spy is definitely for me a lot more fun than playing a merc. And I don't know how if that's something that can necessarily balance, but... Uh. Well, there's people who like playing the Merc, too. I mean, keep in mind, in, in the Merc mode, you're empowered. You've mm-hmm. got the light in your hand. You've got this assault rifle. You're ready to take out everybody who's coming at you. 
I mean, you've got to, you just have to know how to work together, right? You've got right. to know how to work together and prosecute your enemy. And it's the same thing on both sides. Yeah. And that's kind of what it, that's kind of what this asymmetric gameplay really brings out is that you've got to work together with your friends and you've got to work together within the confines of what your skill set are and understand them and know them. And, and I do like how they Absolutely. tied everything together. Your single player, your co-op and your multiplayer are all tied into one like giant mission interface. And anything you earn from any of those three game modes, you basically just use them wherever you want. Use them for the campaign, use them for multiplayer, use them wherever. And I really, I actually really like that aspect of the game. It sounds like a pretty good take on the Splinter Cell world. I mean, I guess the the interesting thing is it sounds like the single player campaign will be the controversial piece of it mm. and controversial not just that, and that's not to say that there aren't fail states in that campaign because when you see fail states they piss you off okay so it does still have trial and error right? yeah it does have a lot of trial and error points that meant that mission i was telling you about earlier where you're supposed to escort the ambassador you're supposed to hide in the shadows and he goes well if you kill any of my guys i'm not going to help you so you have to sneak through the entire area and you can't kill anybody so it's so easy to get caught, and I must have I been hate on it when that, that happens. Yeah, I must have been in that level for about at least an hour. It was just nuts. And then like they give you noisemakers to try and like create a diversion, right? And there was one point where I was just like hanging up on the roof, waiting for a guard to just move, and I'm like, okay, start throwing noisemakers, move, 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 and I'm and, and, and distract you, and and instead and instead of moving, the guy just looks up, and I was like, oh fuck so start over yeah but uh, aside from that the, i thought the campaign was really solid and i, I think i'd like to call back to a little earlier in the show when we were talking about ubisoft and the nvidia mm-hmm. uh, partnership i played this on 360 and i thought it looked great and the only thing i really minded was the about 20 minute 30 minute install that that it takes us to do this game on the 360 i'll make a sandwich it, exactly or a couple sandwiches uh a lot of uh, people on Shack News actually went in chatty and said that the PC version of Blacklist is legit. It is amazing. Like a lot of people are very satisfied with it. Like so, if you're looking to get it on PC, I would just say go for it. Go and, for it that way. Yeah. Not the not the first or last time I think that that'll be happening. Uh, like we were talking about earlier with the way people are playing PC and where you can go with PC. Yep. All right. Uh, before we get on to finishing moves and all that kind of stuff, we have to let Jeff talk about Shelter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Shelter. So Shelter is a magical little game that I was playing before I came in here. And it's a I think it's a Steam it's a Steam Greenlight thing. So it's on sale. I think it's like nine bucks right now. But basically, it is an exploratory adventure game where you play a mother badger and uh you're basically escorting her five badger cubs through the wild and trying to find food and survive and avoid nature's pitfalls. Um the art and ambiance in the game uh, and the sound work is sublime. It's mm. really, really beautiful game. It's not hyper realistic looking, and there's definitely an art style to it, uh, kind of a cell shaded uh, thing. And that the animations of all the little badgers are great. And there's no human presence in the game whatsoever. So all of the challenges and things that you run into and danger and stuff, it's all nature based stuff. So it's not like you run into hunters trying to hunt badgers or anything like that. It's all, it's all about foraging for food and making sure your cubs don't oh, die. Look at the cute badgers. Die of starvation or get you know eaten by giant birds or swept away. Eaten and, by giant birds. Oh yeah, no, this is not. This is not an a, easy game. <laughs> well, no, it's okay. Well, let me put it this way. I'm. I think I'm almost done. I played for almost a couple hours before I came in. It's a very methodically paced game you know it's a very sort of 
thoughtful and absorbing experience, but there are moments of, oh my God, there's a huge hawk flying overhead. I have to get my, my brood from, you know, this little patch of grass where we're hidden to this little patch of grass where we'll be hidden before the hawk hawk's shadow comes over overhead and, you know, comes down and scoops up one of the babies. Um, so a, a couple times while playing it, I had legitimate, like, Oh no <laughs> moments. Me <laughs> saying this to my computer screen. Um, and I, I, I really highly recommend it if you're into Poor badger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's a unique experience. There isn't really anything out there like that that I've that I've played that really captures that. Uh, do you so like if one of the badgers gets killed? Do you hear like these horrible or whatever? I don't they, even know what noises well, do well, badgers, badgers make. No, no. What noises do badgers make? <laughs> Honey badger don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, they they. Uh, they do make little squeaky noises. Oh God, that would be terrifying. I and, can't even look at it. How sad would that be? If you're like, Oh my God, there's please got to eat my fucking badger. Yeah. And it's like, it, it is the way that the game is paced. And because you are feeding these little animals, like the, the very first thing it does when do it, they op- suckle at your when teat? it, op- no, no, no. <laughs> what it does when it opens up is you're in a little cave, a very enclosed space and you've got four badger cubs and then one that's just kind of lay in there. And you're like, Ooh God, you know, like, and so, and so I tried to, no, and then you go into the next room and there's like, it's basically teaching you the feeding mechanics. So you pull a, a radish or whatever it is out of the ground. The mama badger does, and she brings it over to the baby badger and he eats it. And then he joins the pack. And so they're all like following you around. Um, they actually grow in size over the experience. So like you, Hmm. you feel like. You know, there, there are definitely demarcating points in each level. So you're like in springtime and then you get to a, the end of the stage and then like the season will change or you'll be in a completely different uh, environment. You know, I just explored a like forest fire has been going on. And so I'm like trying to make my way through while patches of grass are catching on fire. And, and then, you, you know, hunt for other animals. There's other animals, you know, walking around. So it's not just you're not just feeding your badger babies vegetation and stuff. It's. It creates this bonding. You got your latent maternal instinct. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> it was. It was like it really sort of that familial, like protective. Hmm. You act. I mean, all you look at all the badgers, and they all are look unique. Like they all have different fur patterns on their back, so you kind of get to know them. No, oh, that's cool. So it's yeah. like, oh, that one's Poppy. Yeah, <laughs> that one's that Pop- one's Kate. Poppy too. And then, you, <laughs> yep. And then, and you just dread that moment when you turn around and there's only four of them there, and you're like, oh my god. What did I, I screwed up. So it's, it's, it's a very cool experience. Um, like XCOM nature edition. Uh, yeah. I, cool. I, I highly recommend it. Sounds neat. Yeah. yeah. Sounds. These are the experiences that make you not worry about steam selling anything right. else. Well, as I long guess as, so. Yeah. Is, look, honey badger don't care. Honey badger, honey badger, honey don't, badger don't, don't care. care. And by the way, this right. is not a honey badger. It's just a badger badger. Yeah. This is just a, a badger just badger. You can call it honey. <laughs> That's right. Just don't call it late for dinner. Wow, we are just all over the board today. Uh, all right, so where should I wrap things up? Um, I'm really liking WoW Endgame and Pandaria. I won't and Hearthstone. I know. And so ha- I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, we actually ran a story this week where... Uh, Both those games make a good one-two punch, by the way. Hearthstone's really executive fun. producer was uh, did an interview with IGN and said this. Uh, it was talking about how they're not doing card trading in Hearthstone. And I'm curious how you feel about this. So here's the EP's take on it. You can disenchant. It says, uh, we decided to go away from that. Obviously, that's something 
that you think about, but a key thing for us was focusing on what the game was about, getting new cards in your collection, crafting your deck, and playing the game. When you have trading, that brings a bunch of other stuff with it. Some of that stuff is really fun, like haggling with people or searching for the best deal or playing the market to see how values go up and down. But that's just not what Hearthstone is. Hearthstone is focused on these other aspects of gameplay. What do you, how do you feel about as a guy who played magic and has yeah. know, been at trading cards? Are, do you feel like you're going to miss the trading of cards and, and having the cards being a thing that had, had a value outside of the game or are you, well, it's got this disenchant thing, which I think is kind of a half step to that where you can, you can get some value for the, the cards that you don't want to use anymore. Turn them into powder, turn yeah. them into magic powder from which you dust. Yeah. The dust. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, more to the point of what you're saying, I think it is, I think you should be very happy with it because it is really not going down the Diablo three auction oh. house road. Oh, I definitely am. And I mean, yeah. if, there, if there's anything that's more like obscure than trying to figure out how much value something has in Diablo three through the auction house, it's like trying to figure out what a freaking magic card is worth. Yeah. Did you hear about the crazy thing that the Wildstar guys are doing with the auction house? I think it's Wildstar. I'm pretty sure it's Wildstar. Uh, they're doing with their auction house where you can only see, as a buyer in the auction house, you can only see the lowest price that's available for something. Interesting. So it, they're trying to keep the market more steady. So it's more like uh, it's more like a, akin to the stock market rather than an auction. Right. So you, you really... That's an interesting move. You aren't seeing outliers. You're only seeing what is the lowest price. So it, it kind of drives prices down, theoretically. Sure. Uh, which is a really interesting strategy on their part. But anyway, uh, for Hearthstone... Uh, I, I'm really not worried. I'm not disappointed by that. I think it. Okay. I think that's fine. I mean, it, it is sort of let's keep us getting the money rather than people trading and not paying us the money. And I think it's. Well, keep- and, I mean, it's it's a whole that's a whole other meta game, right? Of right. of playing your cards, and I and I don't mean playing the cards in the game. I mean playing your cards as in, oh, I can hold this card for a while because it's going to be worth more money to, right. to somebody. You know, like and yeah. and is that really fun? It's well, obviously, a lot of people it like is. it. Yeah. Obviously, some people really like it, and I do think that that the analogy to the stock market really works because it's it's all about scarcity mm-hmm. and demand and knowing when to you know market timing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, as someone who's not been experienced in card games, I look at this and I'm like, badass, man, because I'm just into playing the cards and I, yeah. I don't want to have to worry about it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's funny. One of my friends is is uh, playing Diablo to get loot to sell to pay for his arena entries in Hearthstone. Wow. Is that not circular Blizzard logic or circle what? of life. Yeah. Blizzard circle of life. So that's still working. Like harvesting stuff in Diablo 3 still actually. Evidently, can... that's what he was telling me. He's like, yeah. Because, you know, the new Blizzard launcher, which is in the beta of Hearthstone, it's not out yet. But I happen to really like it. A lot of people don't. Um, but I happen to like it just because I'm playing two Blizzard games at once right now. So I can easily pop between the two yeah. of them. Uh, and you can see what other people, anybody that's on your friends list, whatever across any Blizzard game. So I, I see him. See, oh, that's right. We have to be beta friends. Beta friends. Yeah. Um, so I see him like popping into Diablo and popping into WoW and popping into Hearthstone. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? He's like, oh yeah, I'm harvesting stuff in Diablo to sell for my arena fees in arena or in uh, Hearthstone and then uh, playing. So wow. by the way, on the subject of Diablo three, excitement level for expansion pack? A, a very high. Very high. Also with the Paladin Crusader my, class. My very favorite class is Paladin across every So you'll be hyped for that. Super hyped. I played a Paladin in Diablo two. Uh I love the Paladin type class and the Crusader looks awesome from what they showed. Some of his skills like turning into a lightning bolt and like oh, ha, ha. super cool. <laughs> Higher level cap. I'm 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 back in. I I think it will be strange 
Well, it all depends on when the release date is for this thing. But I think it will be strange if they don't release it for the consoles at the same time as the PC. So that was my next question. Yeah. Next week, Diablo 3. Yeah, I have friends that are supposedly hopping back into Diablo on, on consoles. On console. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm where, where so back into play offline. At this point. Hmm? Where they'll be able to play offline on PS3. Yeah. Sorry. And, 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 and in addition... The whole loot table has to be different because there's different. no auction yeah. house. Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say that it isn't super tempting to me. Well, it's you super might enjoy tempting it. to me. Yeah, the, I'm just uh, really having a great time. Uh, I just I level capped uh, in Pandaria, doing the end game content. Their end game in Pandaria is so well thought out. So, there's so much to do. There, I could tell you a thousand stories, but. Nobody wants to hear me talk. They're all about well. farming vegetables. Sit back and listen to me as <laughs> but, I spin a tale. <laughs> but, you know, I, I am definitely excited about going back to Diablo when that expansion hits. I just don't think I'm going to go back before the expansion hits. And you think you'll go back on PC? Likely. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. It's time for our finishing moves. Let her rip. Finishing moves. All right. We will let Jeff Kanata kick it off. Sadness abounds that I am not at PAX uh, Prime. It's an abomination. Uh, it is an abomination. It is <laughs> yeah. an abomination. It's the abomination <laughs> of the week. Yeah. Uh, but. And probably the only one ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, I have to say, um, if you're excited about PAX, I have something else for you to be excited about this week. It is dun, 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 the debut of Double Jump. Oh, Double yeah. Jump this Tuesday on the Nerdist channel on YouTube free to all that christian spicer guy's involved with that too he right? is he yeah. is the he's the real reason to tune into that show uh and uh, his co-host is not too shabby either if i do say <laughs> so myself not uh, too shabby yeah it's uh i'm extremely proud of the four episodes that we've made they're coming out on the four next tuesdays this is the first one it would mean the world to me if all of you checked it out and gave me your feedback um i think they're really funny and it, we really want to make more of them. And in order to make more of them, people have to watch it. It costs you nothing. They're not that long. I think that they're, they're great. Great a, guest list, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Adam Sessler and Ted Price and Randy Pitchford and John Davison, friend of the show. Uh, so th- those are four strong guests. We have a, a comedy sketch in each one. We have a comedy monologue with the two of us in each one. Uh, so they really are full, meaty, funny episodes. I really think they're very funny. So. Please. I was in the I was in the crowd. I can say that it was really funny. Ah, uh, thank you, Ozzy. I appreciate that. And uh, by the way, if you're a newest, latest, best supporter, you should. Yeah, I've already seen the pilot right. for the show, oh, which yeah. also looks excellent. September's Congrats, a big month for good, me. Good looking uh, pilot. Good looking you. pilot. Yeah, I really well put that. together. Thank you. It means a lot to me. And and there may be even more projects announced this month. So stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter, Jeff Canada. That's with two N's and one T. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Jeff Mattis, how about you uh, r- run up second? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to close out with a uh, with an iOS board game adaptation that I've been playing. Yeah, it's a great one. Yes, it's called Agricola. And uh, just because I'm, I don't know how new it is, but I just stumbled across well, it. Well, it's and... a new uh, iPad game. I'd be okay. more interested if it's called Brondo. Brondo. I thought it was like Agricola. That is, that is one of my... Is that like, um, the, is that like Brando with a bad accent? <laughs> Agricola, Agricola and Lahav vie for my favorite board game of all time. Personal favorite board game. Those, those two games. They're both designed by the same guy, Uwe Rosenberg. Okay. 
Okay, great game. Excellent. Yeah, I I am both have iPad. Really blown away by how fun it is. Uh, I am still very much in the learning stage, so I'm playing a lot of their solo challenges and stuff. But basically, it's a it is a board game. Uh, you know, they have solo challenges, but it's meant to be played competitively, either against AI or pass and play, or they have a async online mode. Mm. Uh, and uh, it is you're basically building up and managing and running your farm. And, uh, so, so like you're doing stuff like you have a certain number of family members and you can, uh, you know, you're collecting resources like wood and stone and reeds and stuff like that. And those allow you to buy additions to your farm that you can plow fields and plant crops in those. And then after every turn, which is, you know, compro- comprised of anywhere from like six to three stages, you're basically harvesting crops and f- making sure your family is fed and, uh, you know, there's a point total associated with all these things that you do and you're competing against the other players. It's a game about, it's a worker placement game, but it's a game about building a food engine. And I find that absolutely fascinating. It's one of my favorite things about- Have you played this on iOS? Yeah. It's it's a a great implementation, but I don't think it's the best way to play it it for the first time. Can you play it by yourself or do you need to play with other people? No, it's meant to be played. It's designed to be played by yourself. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in, amazing. Game. When you're playing competitively, it is everybody's sharing the same board. And when you do a turn, like somebody claims a spot, like I'm going to build fences, nobody else can, okay. you know, go on there. And, and so you're, you're you strategically player, trying to it's pick. Appealing. How much is it? Uh, it's seven bucks. Really? Lahav is another. He has another game called Aura at Labora, which I've talked about on the show before. It's it's amazing. Uh, but Lahav is also available on iOS and is uh, equally spectacular. And that's your absolute favorite, right? That and Agricola Vibe, those I switch back and forth sometimes, but they're they're both my favorite board games. Yeah. Ozzy, you're up. All right. Well, last time I was on the show, I briefly talked about uh, DuckTales Remastered, mentioning that I was halfway through. Uh, I finished the game, and I want to give some major props to WayForward for making for possibly making the best adaptation that they could have made out of that whole game and not only that but they didn't recycle the end game scenario like i expected them to Mm. i actually thought it was going to be like the exact same thing where they just you know throw you back to transylvania they designed an entirely new level and i thought it was it was pretty linear but it was really cool and a lot of the ideas that they took from it like there were parts of it where you had like the limbo style shadow shadow art style which was really cool you had like vibrant backgrounds where you see Flint Hart Glomgold running along and going, keep up, Scroogey! And just the ideas that they threw in for that and for the final fight against Dracula Duck were really cool. And I got to give them a lot of credit for this. Great game. Good job, guys. Awesome. Got it. By the way, you guys can't see it, but uh, Ozzy is smiling quite a bit. So that's it. Even that's the best part of any of the games. All right. Uh, it's ready time. It's football time, yes, folks. It is yes, go time. Indeed. Okay, so it's long show today. No tailgate. We will hold over. We'll just kick the tailgate off next week, which is the right time anyway. It's the open of the season. Well, let's just say this. Who, who, who's your, what's your Super Bowl matchup what prediction? Am, what is my Super Bowl matchup prediction? I'll tell you mine. Mine is... Okay, tell me yours. San Francisco beats Denver in the Super Bowl. I think that you would, you, you would not get great odds on that. You get... Yeah, not, you get shitty odds because it's yeah but that's common a, pick. That's not but a t- that's not a tough pick. To I make. think Peyton is it, it comes back to the vengeance and makes up for that mistake and gets them to the big dance. But uh, Colin Kaepernick wins the Super Bowl MVP. Okay, okay. Did anybody else want to jump in with a prediction? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Packers beat the Texans. I think the this is finally Packers Houston's. I think this ta- is I think wow. this is finally Houston's year to make the Super Bowl. I think they've they've mired in like the first round long enough. I think this is it for them. <clears throat> Interesting. Garnet is like resisting the urge to laugh at me right now. We'll no, see who's laughing in about three months. <laughs> I, I I don't 
trust the Texans mm-hmm. at all. So, I mean, that's kind of where I where I, I think that's where a lot of people are right now. But there's not a lot of people you can trust. There are not a lot of teams you can trust in the AFC right now, period. That's true. That is it, definitely true. I I like people picking the Bengals for some reason. That defense. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. defense that defense. Fierce. I was going to say, I mean, I, I, Bengals but, are up there for me, too. I mean, I think that. Yeah, but do you trust Andy Dalton, though? I mean, no, he's, no. Not at all. You know, you're right. Absolutely right. I don't trust Andy Dalton at all. So I think it's I think it's an interesting season ahead. Uh, I, I'm with you, Jeff, on the Broncos. I think the Broncos are, you know, if you're sitting here in preseason, you get to point to someone to de- rep- represent the AFC. I think Broncos, definitely. My sleeper pick, though, is the Colts. Yeah, I I, I like I that, think, actually. I think they could shock some people. I think Andrew Luck. Yeah, you know, quarterbacks Quarterbacks are, are probably the least prone to the sophomore slump of yeah. any of the skill positions. So, and, and, you know, Luck's got some players around him. I would, I'd buy that. I'd buy that as well. One of those second-year uh, quarterbacks is going to regress, and it's hard to tell who it is, if it's going to be Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, or, yeah. or Colin Kaepernick. I, as well. I, I hate to disappoint Seattle fans, but I think it's going to be Wilson. That I regresses. hope not, because he's my fantasy quarterback. <laughs> so good! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I just... I, I Dave think is that... about to burst in here and <laughs> knock some heads. He's in full... By the way, producer Dave is in full Seattle gear. He's, always, gear. he's always in his gear. Yeah. Uh, you know, and NFC is tough. I mean, I can't argue with your San Francisco pick, though. I think that the loss of Crabtree puts them in a really bad spot. I mean, you just who who the hell do you throw the? There's only you know, there's only so far you can go on read option, and I think read option will still be ripping it up. And I think that Ka- Kaepernick really proved a lot last season, but you know they need they need Vernon Davis to step up in a big way. I think way. he will. Though. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he will too. And they need someone to fill that void of of. Of Crabtree, yeah. and if they can get those two pieces, then sure they're in good space. But they but they traded for Anquan Bolden in the offseason. They sure did. <laughs> no, really? Ah, man, come on, Anquan Bolden. Yeah, that's it's fine, but he's 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 an okay possession receiver, but he's not going to light the world up for you. Um, I think that of all the teams that are are a wild card to me, the Saints with Peyton back at mm. head coach. Mm, interesting. I think there's a shit ton of motivation there and that they're going to be on a real emotional high. And if they get on a run that they could really capitalize on that, that that defense is still awful. And they they just lost Will Smith for the season. Oh, did they? Oh, I didn't see that. That That defense, that defense is pretty bad. So I think my Cowboys will do all right. I I think my Cowboys will come in the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they will be nine and seven, 10 and six, something like that. They might even win a first giants make the playoffs. I don't think the giants make the playoffs. I don't Mm -hmm. think, I think that, yeah, I don't think the Giants make the Giants playoffs. don't have a running game anymore, do they? Um, they actually have two good running backs, so they could well have a running back. I think that the problem continues for them to be uh, Eli. I throw a random interception at least <laughs> once a game. Or you're, Eli, you, is, you could say that same thing for Romo, though. No, yeah. <laughs> Romo. Romo throws the interception because he's trying too hard. Eli <laughs> throws interceptions where you're like, "Who the hell are you throwing the ball to?" Where you're just like, "It's baffling." Eli will throw. Every so often, and, and sometimes they're not intercepted, but every so often in a game, he throws a ball downfield, and you're like, what just, what happened there? So what's your Super Bowl pick? Did you say it? I'm not picking one yet. I'll pick one next week. <laughs> 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 wow. Long, next week. long lead up Mattis, to... Uh, do you want to pass? <laughs> I also like... Well, all, all I want to say... Yeah, all I want to say is I am a fellow yes. 49er enthusiast as, as, as I think the as Niners look Co-Jeff. great. And and yeah, I mean, I'd really like to see them take it all the way this year. In terms of who's going to be there with them, damn. I mean, Denver's certainly, you know, 
not unreasonable. Fine, but you want me? You want, but you want me to put one out there? Yeah, I do. Falcons. Oh, that's over the Broncos mm. by four in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Falcons are another one like Houston that they've just kind of mired in the first round and just been like yeah. But I love the, I love their acquisition of Stephen Jackson. Yeah, I love their the, acquisition. The of thing Steven that Jackson. scares me, and I don't want to count my chickens before they've crossed their bridges, but the the idea of the Niners in a Super Bowl outdoors in the snow is a little scary to me. Yeah. But, well, for anybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, I was going to introduce all of that, but then we got sidetracked. So thanks for your patience. Uh, I am endeavoring at the last minute to throw together a fantasy league. Scheduling is tough. At, the, at this point, I would guess that we'll probably, if we can get one thrown together, we'll probably draft on Monday. And you'll have to be, you have to commit to being available for the draft because everyone needs to be there for the draft. I hate drafts and people don't show up. Yeah. And that's it. Thanks, everybody. Long show. Appreciate everybody's support. No more abominations ever again. That's right. All right, stick around. We will be back next week when it will be. Uh, we'll be recording on my birthday. Hey, it'll be we, kickoff. Dude, we got to go out after. We got to be the kickoff for the uh, season with the uh, Ravens and the Broncos t- on the oh. Thursday night tilt. So it's going to be an awesome week yeah. ahead. I hope you guys all have a fit. Fantastic holiday weekend. Enjoy packs. Enjoy whatever you're doing. Till next week, we are. Oh, I got to make sure and give you your weekend confirmed. That is your weekend confirmed, and we are Ghost. This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices.